Let me tell you something, Scott and Paul. You think you're going to beat me and Jimmy? We got all the predictions because we got all of wrestling Twitter on our side. We know millions of predictions. Millions of predictions. We know the predictions. We know what's going to happen before they even announced the show. We knew who was going to win the WrestleMania match, main event this year, match, whatever it is, before they even announced there was going to be a WrestleMania this year. And they're always announcing there's going to be a WrestleMania. So that's how smart we are. Jimmy, don't you agree? Oh, let me tell you something, Nathan. Let me tell you something so absolutely freaking phenomenal. Is that... Scott and Paul, let me tell you that when you think that you're going to have any chance to do anything against the real A-team, the A-plus team, which is who who we are, what you got to think back to is you got to think back to Survivor Series when you thought you had it in the bag because what you have in the bag is my nuts. My nuts are in your bag. You know why? Because that's all you're going to have. You're going to have a nice tea bag you're gonna sit down and i'm gonna steep my nuts in your tea because that's all you're gonna be drinking is the sweet sweet taste of defeat and me and nathan we're gonna sit here and we're gonna be able to stand atop that mountain stand atop and let the people know let the people say the a-team pretty great the a-team is over here on rogue opinions bong 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 World star, world star, baby, world star, baby, world star, baby. Hold on, hold on one second. Oh, and when he says that, brother, you go over to SMP Rambling on Twitter or whatever your Twitter handle is. We've already beaten you. So that's (laughs) that's it, brother. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, we accept your challenge, you piece of shit, over there up in Glasgow. We don't give a shit about you. We're gonna beat you. We, you know what, Jimmy? We're just gonna make our, uh, we're just gonna make our opinions off the cuff, like six hours, like not six hours before the show begins because we need to advertise it. But like a day before, day before, like a day, day before, brother, brother. We don't give a fuck. We're just going to do them. We're just going to throw some coins onto some pages because that's how easy it is to beat you. We're going to go to a fucking psychic and they're going to tell us who wins. We're going to go to a county fair and they're going to tell us who wins these matches because you're that easy to beat. Yeah, boy. Yeah. When you go with Frasier, it's only a fucking 20-year-old show. Scott wasn't even fucking born when that show came out and he pretends it's the best thing he's ever fucking watched. What a piece of shit. Also, Jimmy, can we all agree? Can we both agree Kelsey Grammer can fuck off? Yeah. He can, you know, fuck he, right, he, can, he can fuck right off like he fucked off that stage that one time during that thing where he fell through the stage because he's a fat piece of shit. You know what? He's also a giant Republican, Scott. What do you think about that? Oh! Shit. Make oh. Scotland great again. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, Am yeah, I yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I yeah, right? Go make I, Glasgow great again. <laughs> I, if uh, if there's anybody left listening to this at this point, I apologize. Um, yeah. But go, uh, uh, you know who I don't apologize to? Scott and Paul's 
rumbling douchebags. Yeah, go ramble about some shit sitcoms. Let me tell you, I've been sitting with Pazuzu, and I've been sitting with all the people, and I've been sitting with the children. And you know what the children say? You know what the children say? I'm not comfortable with this. (laughs) The children, they say that Scott and Paul's rambling podcast ain't nothing but bunch of bitches. And... We're over here, and we're the A-team, and we're going to be here doing the do. WrestleMania will be coming home. It's coming home, Nathan. It's coming home. So easy to beat then, are we? Cunts. <laughs> yes, yeah, so what you heard at the start was the ramblings of two overly confident... Uh, what's the best word to describe them, Paul? Cunts. Yes. Two overly confident cunts. They, they were fucking... They were dissing the gram, man. Yeah. You they can, were dissing the gram. You can say what you want about us. You can say what you want about Glasgow or Scotland in general. But you do not insult Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. I don't care what his political beliefs are. He is the head of one of the greatest TV shows of all time. It doesn't matter when you were born. You can still appreciate Fraser. Yes. Fraser is fucking timeless. You know what, I, I thought our challenge was a bit rambly. These guys are trying to steal our fucking gimmick, Paul. Yeah, we Ram- fucking are. Rambling on like madmen doing weird impressions with your shitty air horn sound effects. What know what that sounded like to me? It sounded like the ramblings of two men who aren't taking us very seriously, They're not. It's the ramblings of some desperate individuals who see nothing more than insulting the great Kelsey. And our and integrity. Insulting our integrity and taking the piss. Well, fuck you. Fuck you right in the ear, damn it. Well, Nathan, how many prediction contests have you lost? How many times have you had to be in the bunch of men? I've lost count at this point. And then you had... No, you know, not only did you have Joey, but you had Reese helping you at Survivor Series. And that's why you didn't have to do the punishment. Now mm. it's time for both of you to put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Jimmy, you've won a few prediction contests, fair enough. But now you've got Nathan there, who's constantly losing the predictions on your side. And I, I might also chime in here, if I may. Mm-hmm. You can tell there's fear in the voices, because when they have nothing else but to insult the glorious Graham. Yeah, the actions of a desperate man. The actions of a desperate team. Yes. We know. We already know they have lost. We already know we will have to live in shame. We have been, while well, we've been waiting here, stewing in the disappointment of our loss, we... Are a team. We have no, been no, a team Scott, for many have, years. We have not been stewing in our loss. We have not put thought into the loss. We move on. Yes. We right. move on. We prepare for the next challenge. And the next challenge is coming at WrestleMania. This, and they are so common. They say, oh, we're going to make our predictions today for them. We're just going to make some random predictions. You're going to wait until the last moment, are you? Yeah. You're going to make your predictions at the last moment. And by the time you have made your goddamn predictions... We've already basically have won. Yeah, you know, like, if you choose to doubt us, you choose to underestimate us going into WrestleMania, think it's just because you've won once and you think it's so easy to beat us again. You're like Icarus flying too close to the sun. Yeah. It's going to come back. You're going to hurt you. Many, many people have won once. Mm-hmm. The trick is to win consistently. Uh, so, Jeremy and Nathan, I'm sure they'll have some clever, witty thing to say. At least what some of you think sure? is funny. Yeah, no, because I, I couldn't find one joke. And I, I think they were meant to be jokes, but I didn't laugh once. I mean, that. Come on, Scott, you know you know the quantity of alcohol I am known to consume. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I can come up with more wit in my my hangover time. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yes, we're ta- yeah. rest assured, guys. We are taking this very seriously. I was, I was saying that in my hangover time, I can be incredibly scathing and cruel. Mm-hmm. And you, you do, you don't want that. You like when they said, "Oh, appointment to be determined at a later date." We've already determined the punishment. <laughs> Starcade two thousand review. Damn. Cantankerous whore, am I? Yes. God damn it! You, you are not a whore. I am no whore. Anyway, yes, that's the wrong part of that sentence. So, <laughs> I look forward to their response, and we'll have our response, and we look forward to WrestleMania. Yeah, we will have our cake and eat it too. Yes, we are. We are in your house, particularly, Paul. We're in my kitchen. Yes. And it's pretty, at the moment, it doesn't feel safe to be in anybody's house at the moment because of this bloody coronavirus going around. Yes. <laughs> but, you know... We... Well, I, I did see a very humorous little Simpsons meme mm-hmm. on Facebook. It was in reference to all the sports events and things being shut down. Yeah. And Homer Simpson shaking his fist like, that wasn't part of our deal, Corona! I've seen that. I think I know that one you're talking about. Yeah. Fully breathe through it, I've come here to Paul's gaff for the next instalment of our In Your Gaff series. Yes. This is a non-Corona gaff. Yes. In Your Gaff. We have cider and vodka here, no Corona. Yes, this is In Your Gaff 3, Triple Threat. Yes. It feels like forever since we did the last uh, In Your House Yeah, since, since we last had the grand discussion of Jeff Jarrett's lip-syncing and... Mm-hmm. That really good Intercontinental title match. Oh, yes, yes. I think it's because we had our TNA retrospective and we got so caught with that that we had to do the second part so soon after the first. Jeff, Jeff Jarrett must look back on that and feel himself so lucky that he was able to share the ring with someone with talent. <laughs> now, I've come around how good Jeff Jarrett is in the ring, mainly through matches like that. Like before, I think, oh, Jeff Jarrett's like not as good as he thinks he is. Yeah. Thought, he's actually a pretty more decent one than you think. Oh, he's a, he's, a great, he's a great wrestler, but the point I'm making is that Sean's better. Mm. I mean, the thoughts I had about Jeff Jarrett as a worker, I still have about someone in particular who features on this card, but I'll get to that when we get to their match. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but we we have a plethora of very interesting feuds and matches in this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting time for the WF, but before we get into that, I must say, I brought cider up to Paul's own, particularly Strombo Dartford, and I also brought a little can of Monster. Tell the people of the fantastic concoction I, I put you onto. Well, Paul said I should mix the two, and I didn't want to. But then he brought this uh, big, this massive tankard I got. I brought back for Paul from Berlin. My whole you did. It's, it's a great tankard. I I I drink from it often. Thank you. So it's a massive one. So I said I poured some uh, cider and I poured some monster. I don't know the exact if I got the exact volume for you. Ne- never ever pour yourself a spirit drink in one of those, though, because that could end very badly. No, I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> Mainly because I'm not really a spirit drinker, but 
Yes, it should be. It's actually a lot better than I, I thought it would be. Like, you taste the monster first and then the fruitiness of the cider like, comes in afterwards as the aftertaste. So. Well, Scott, if there's one thing I do know, it's my alcohol. Yeah, of course. Why, why should I have questions you on the alcohol? You never should. And I said to you before we recorded, the size of this stankard, and the shape it makes me feel like Gangrel when I'm holding it with a big red viscous liquid as these to describe one and, to and as I said, just don't spit on my ceiling. I won't. Yet. <laughs> you don't even have a frilly shirt. I don't want the frilly shirt. I had one of those. No, wait, I did not. Brian had one of those. I had a lovely crushed velvet pirate shirt back in the day. Well... Did you feel like Jean-Pierre Lafitte with your little pirate shirt? I did, I did. Only I bet you any money I look better than he did. Speaking of Jean-Pierre Lafitte, he's more known now as PCO. Yeah, PCO. Where's my fucking t-shirt? Yeah, I am wearing a PCO Monster Mania t-shirt, which I got along with several other members of the uh, Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Repeat podcast from PCO. And kind of a... I don't know why he's given us a free merch to get some promotion for him and also the fact that we interviewed him some months ago and I specifically interviewed him yeah, I, will, I will admit they've been just a little bit jealous I did I, I did ask him about his feud with Bret Hart and I'll mention uh, some of the things that he said about that interview when we get to his match with Bret Hart probably up there in one of the best matches on this show I don't want to give away my thoughts too much on the show before we properly delve in are you telling me that fucking Ahmed Johnson didn't fascinate you Mitch Johnson wasn't on this show. Oh, wait, I'm looking at the one... The next one. Ahmed Johnson's on the next one. No. He wasn't a dark match on this show. I think he was in one of the post-show, uh, post-main event dark matches. Ah. Well, yeah, he was on the show then, mm-hmm. technically. Technically, but he wasn't on screen. That is my Yeah, point. he was never good enough to be on screen in your house. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> had to wait a full month. Yeah. But before we delve in, Paul, how are you in general? In I'm, I'm generally... I wouldn't say, like I like I said last time we did the show, I wouldn't say I'm bitching, Scott. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. mainly because I'm not drunk enough yet. Yet. But Give it time. I'm, I'm generally in good form. That's good. I, I, I waited diligently for the postman this morning. <laughs> and I, I got my, my funky PVC jeans that I wanted. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. I also got my Cradle of Filth long sleeve. Not a particular credo felt long sleeve I had actually ordered and paid for. But it didn't stop you from wearing it though, did it? No, no, it's a, it's a perfectly good cradle shirt. I'm just a little aggrieved that it was not the one that I actually paid for. Yeah, yeah, you wanted what you paid for. And I and I sent a a polite but strongly worded email <laughs> to said seller and I said, Come on, bitches. <laughs> you know, I didn't pay for this fucking t shirt. Why don't you send me the one I paid for, you can't? As you, we just imagine I am shaking my fist at you. Yes, I am wounded. <laughs> I, I, am, I am aggrieved, wounded and pissed off. Yes, mainly at Jimmy and Nathan for their harsh comment, but we've given them enough, we've wasted enough breath on them. We have wasted enough breath on those bitches. Well, today you've got more booze, we have cake here. You finished your cake, I've still got a bit left to say... Are you enjoying your cake? It is very sugary, very sweet. It is, it is. That is a cake cake that Brian bought the previous week, and I believe he may have had only one piece of it. Alright. Well, it's lovely. Yes, it is very lovely. Like you say, it's very sugary, Mm -hmm. but it is a nice cake. Yeah. It's one of those those ones, like like you see, it's more the size of a loaf of bread. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. But it is a very nice cake. It's one of those ones that the, the poofy normals of nowadays would probably... Take a slice and cut it into four, three or four bits. Why? 
Because they're fucking pansies and they can't eat a bit of cake. Anyway. Well, was, was, was that my hatred of the modern world coming out with? A little bit. Just Good. But, Paul, something we should talk about that's been in the news and it's quite fitting for this show is that the British Bulldog plays a big part in this in your house. Bizarre. Yes, he is very <laughs> bizarre. But he has been announced as the latest inductee in the 2020 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. Chin chin to the Bulldog. Mm-hmm. Crazy ass mofo, but... Yes, I would I would really like to congratulate Mr Briscoe for his well, well, really deserved Hall of Fame. Oh wait, that's a different Bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> that stinks. It's total BS. Yes. But people have been wanting the British Bulldog. He's one of those names that pops up a lot over the years. He does. Well, I mean, despite his lack of main main event title success, mm-hmm. he, he, he's very deserving of his place. Yeah. And I will say a lot more deserving than certain other people, but I'm not going to get into that. But very deserving of his place. And considering the history of the Bulldog, his tag title wins, his tenure with, you know... Dynamite kid, Dynamite kid being the first ever and longest reigning European champ, all right, as well. If you remember that, I don't, I actually didn't know he was, yeah, he, reigning, he, I knew he was the first. He had the longest uninterrupted reign ah. as intercontinental, uh, uh, European, uh, European champion. champion, yeah. And apparently, at the time. When he did lose it to Sean, <laughs> it was very, very against the idea yeah. of losing because, like, losing the European title that I won and have held for ever, yeah, in my own fucking hometown, uh-huh. you know. But at the, you know what Sean was like at the time. Yeah, he was meant to win the uh, Bulldog. He was meant to retain, but Sean got in the year of Vince. I think they had a show in Manchester at April the next year. And allegedly the idea was, oh, I'll win it a year, we'll build a rematch at this show manager, but by then, Bulldog left because he and uh, like Anvil, they both left out of outrage at what happened to Bray in Montreal, yeah. and by then Sean was injured with his back, so he, the other man was even with the company. Outrage. I did want, I do want to say, apologies if you don't like the hearing of uh, possibly me chewing on my cake or the pouring as we drop off our drinks, it can get... I don't want it to sound too ASMR like, but I'm not sure that sort of thing. I honestly believe it normalises us. Because mm-hmm. we, we are. I know we like to think we're godlike, but we're not. <laughs> you know, we are normal people that eat cake and drink booze. We're just like you, we like to drink booze. <laughs> yes, and eat cake. But like, I think it's one of the things where there's somebody who for ages they've wanted someone's wanted to see in the Hall of Fame and then they yeah. go in. Then there are other people that they still want to see go in. It suddenly seems, well, that means this person's. Yeah, the possibility of the, and the person I'm talking about specifically is Owen. Yeah, I was about to. I figured that's where you were going with that one. Mm-hmm. And much like you said to me during the week, I don't feel it would be wise for people to jump the gun on that one mm-hmm. because just because Bulldog's going in, mm-hmm. the situation with Owen, as you know, is very very different. Mm-hmm. You know, like Bulldog. Bulldog's demise was caused by him. Mm-hmm. That was his doing. Yeah. You know, that was his own bloody fault. Like his own demons, his addictions. I mean, if you, if you want to be pernickety mm. and poke, you could say it was WCW's fault. It was slightly. If you want to be pernickety, you could say it was Ultimate Warrior's fault. Yeah. Well, WCW for having that fucking trapdoor in the middle of the ring, blah blah blah, and not, not having it, not telling them about yeah, it. Yeah, that you could, but do you know what? 
Bulldog had issues before that. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, yeah, because he was maybe like out of it quite a bit on. He's been spawning crap in the days leading up to his match with Brett SummerSlam. Well, that that is still a rumor. You know, you know what Brett's like. Brett talks a power up. Yeah, but there are there are talks that he did have some. He would he would indulge at times, but like yeah. with drugs that he would be taking to help his back, the pain pills and that they would have mm-hmm. had a I mean, on. It was rec- at that back. It was taking recreational drugs. It was taking growth hormone. He was taking still like yeah. The man had a lot of demons and had like, a lot of chemicals in his system. I mean, at his peak, you look at the muscles and body like that. That is no way natural. Like the way he looks. Yeah, well, I'm thinking like um, a perfect example of that would have been. You remember, like, the way, like, I don't know if we still do it now, because I, a lot of the time I catch highlights of the Rumble, mm-hmm. but if you remember back in the golden era, when we used to have, like, guys do a little promo, yeah, they like, really do that in and they're like, I'm going to win the Rumble because blah, blah, blah. I wish right? they did do that. Really. Yeah, but it was in the 92 Rumble, mm-hmm. and uh, Bulldog was doing his thing, you know, like, like, I'm going to win the Royal Rumble. And he did, you know the thing he used to do when he would go like, <laughs> like yeah. that? He did his whole muscle flexion thing. You think, that man looks unnaturally huge. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he, he did that and he reminded me, it reminded me of the story I heard about Arnie. Mm-hmm. Like, when he was doing Conan the Barbarian, he actually had to lose muscle mass because he couldn't swing the sword. <laughs> but, you know, Bulldog did the thing and his pecs went all like, mm-hmm. and the muscles went, and you're like, you're a scarily huge man. There are three very like funny things I always think of where reason when I hear about Bulldog is the one that bizarre, the one where they're interviewing fans about like he's macho with Brett. Some of them who think he's going to win. Yeah. And a wee boy goes, "British Bulldog's going to win, whether he wants to or not." <laughs> or the one where I think it was maybe might have been one of those uh, Rumble S promos or just somewhere in the yeah. to the camera goes, "There's no bull in this British Bulldog." Yeah. One of my favourites was, uh, you know, like when you hear them mid-match, <laughs> it was Rumble 97, I think it was. What was the one where he went and said, I'm going to win because I'm bizarre? Oh, that would have been 97. Yeah. But Rumble 97 when Owen puts him out uh-huh. and he's doing, you know, Bulldog's weird accent and his weird sort of vocal tone. <laughs> and Owen puts him out and he's shouting to Owen he's like, you idiot, you put me out, you put me out. And you're like, Calm down, man, calm down. Script, right. man, script. Or like, in the late night, we keep asking, where's my title shot? I want a title Yeah, where's my title shot? I want a title shot. You had your title shot. You call that a title shot, and then he hit Stephanie with a bin. No, <laughs> I've got that tape. <laughs> Is that the six-pack challenge thing? No, that's uh, it was after, it was at Rebellion 99, that's where he oh, hit Stephanie yeah, with yeah. a bin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the one where he said you call that a title shot, so when the match of the rock, there's a bin, the one... It doesn't matter. matter if a rap cast at three. <laughs> yeah, so Bulldog uh, not really known for his promo ability, but no, no. And forgive me if this sounds cynical, but do you think it is coincidence that Bulldog, the first one, the, the for a while the only mainstream like British-born wrestler in that company that size, is going in the Hall of Fame the year that it looks like we're getting our first UK-born WWE champion, Andrew McIntyre. Well. Hopefully. Yeah, well, hopefully, like... The only reason I say hopefully is because you know what the WWE is like. Yeah, like, Drew, I've heard people across the UK, like in England, that not just Scotland, very much behind Drew going against Brock. You go see him wherever they go in America or on Raw in yeah. last weeks, he is over. So, like, oh, hell he, yeah. He is, like, the only person in the UK on the main WWE roster I, that is at the level of popularity that Bulldog had. Yeah. So, I think... 
given that he is the closest star to Bulldogs since Bulldogs initial run. I well, think the, fact that the timing of him having this opportunity of Bulldog going in, I don't mean it's like cynical. Yeah, yeah, but. totally. But do you believe, like like a lot of people believe for that era, that had Bulldog not been suffering the demons he suffered, mm-hmm. he may have went a lot higher up in the company than he did? Yeah, because he left because he was taking growth over him and Warrior were fired yeah. in late night too. So he had to quickly drop the belt to Sean after his big moment in Wembley. And now see the IC belt as the the pathway to the world title. He dropped that in a kind of naff way as well. Mm-hmm. So like, because the role, the plan was always eventually to drop it to Sean because the match at some time might be Sean v Brett, but then because they moved it to the UK, decisions made to let's put Bulldog in. Yeah, yeah. Boy. So the Bulldog. Well, that, that and the fact that Vince didn't quite think Sean was quite there yet. I do like according to Bruce Pritchard, even there was a point in time where Vince once said. Shawn Michaels will never be WWF champion. Yeah. Which is weird. Especially, weird now. Especially if you, if you watch this show and the content, how Vince is clearly in love with Shawn Michaels. Oh, look at him now. I'm by your super. Oh, he, wa- he wanted to lick him like an ice cream. Vince clearly had a poster of Shawn in his office or at his home somewhere that you're just looking at like, wow. And he's, and he's big gravelly Vince to, u- to use the Burniston <laughs> joke, he had Sean in his wank bank. <laughs> like, you know that there's a meme of uh, Wolverine from the uh, from uh, the X-Men card looking at a picture and people will occasionally put someone's face over that and then the face <laughs> over the picture. That That is Vince looking at a picture of Sean. Did, did you see the Wolverine thing I posted with Mr. Bean? I, did, I don't believe I did. Oh, you need to see that. It was like, it was like Mr. Bean, but... His face imposed on several different things, uh-huh. and it was Wolverine, but Wolverine, <laughs> you know, and it was Hugh Jackman, like, but it had Mr. Bean's face going, <laughs> I mean, the rumours, there have been rumours for a good few weeks of Bulldog going in, and then his son, Harry Smith, appeared on that shitty YouTube show they did the month, yeah, yeah. they did a kind of heart day reunion, they had him, Tyson and Tally all together, so I think the fact that he's appearing on the Raid programme, and Makes it gave some validity to the rumours, and then him and his sister went on Twitter to officially announce yeah. our father's going in. I think they'll be there to induct him. And part of the reason I said about Owen going is a lot of the, like, Brett's in, Stu went in in 2010, yeah. the Heart Foundation went in last year, Owen's, uh, sorry, Bulldog's in this year. You know, the extended Heart family is all the, going in. The like, only one that's missing. Uh, to a certain extent, because of their connection the Heart Foundation. You could make an argument that Brian Pillman should maybe go in one day. Well, I think there's there's more chance of Brian Pillman going in. Like, see if ever decide to induct the Heart Foundation in its final form. Mm. There's every chance Brian Pillman going in. But that's, that's saying nothing against Brian Pillman, because that guy had a phenomenal career. I really would like to, like to think that uh, if Brian Pillman went in solo, they would have uh, Austin come out. To yeah, yeah. The Hollywood Blondes. When yeah, that'd be around. cool. And but in Stunning Steve. I remember watching a match, it was uh, Brian Pillman and uh, uh, Johnny B. Bads, formerly Mark Merrill. And yeah. It was from downstairs, he was Fall Brawl 95, and looking at them like, he's like, you watch the match, and this is why they were both really wanted by WF, but the sad thing is when they got there, they weren't the versions that Vince wanted, because Vince wanted... They couldn't the, be. Vince wanted Johnny B. Bad, not really Mark Merrill, and they realised... Well, it's copyrighted and also the little Richard like thing of that it was basically a parody of that. Yeah. You couldn't have him be Johnny B. Bad. And then Brian got in a car accident. Yeah. So he couldn't wrestle for a while. And also when he did wrestle, he couldn't do the high flying stuff. He oh, could well, as, as flying Brian. To, to kind of segue just slightly, mm-hmm. 
since you mentioned them, I personally, if WWE hadn't been so willing, so desperate to jump into that silly bitch's nickels, <laughs> then they could have really went somewhere with Mark Merrill. He could have been a solid mid-level fucking mm-hmm. guy. I mean, like, his IC title run, you get blinking, you'd miss it. I know. I think it was a case of, oh well, Rubble H, he's lost enough on TV. You can, you're out the pen, and we forgive you for the curtain call now. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I think, I think Russo and Vince particularly are to blame because it was them, it was them that have talked about, like, like Cornette and GR have talked about in interviews how they would talk a lot about stable and creative meetings, more so about her than Mark. So I think, uh, they two are kind of the main cause of Mark moving to the side and Sable moving more. No, take, ignore the talented wrestler <laughs> with a really awesome pyro intro. Also, the, the shooting star. I actually thought for a while, like, because he was one of the earliest examples of using the shooting star. Like, yeah. is he the first, was he the one who invented it? I found out actually recently, no, it was Justin Lager that used it. Yeah. But even then, it was still a very new thing. Yeah, it was a really good and innovative thing for he, the WWF. So in a sense, the he, he technically brought it to the WWF. Yeah. When you think about it, but he wasn't—he wasn't—he wasn't the person who invented it. And he—he he might not have been the most solid technical wrestler, but he—he he was generally skilled at his high flying shit. He was good at his technical stuff. He could sell a match. Um, you I, know. I mean, they turned him heel, and like fair enough, to make him the boxing because he had a legit boxing background. Yeah. But I think they turned him heel as well. That really limited what he could it do. It really did. Him. So they made him look really shit. Like, see if we were going to turn him heel, <laughs> but keep that wild man character. Because like the philosophy is up from a lot of people, by certain wrestlers, like sorry, certain bookers, is that heels shouldn't do a lot of high flying moves. So See, like, that's noise, man. Like AJ doesn't do too much like going off the top, except for like the phenomenal form when he's a heel. Because they think if a heel has a great phenomenal like move set, people will cheat old pop for the spots. So and they won't be booing the heel, which they are meant to be doing. Oh, come on, that's like the old school logic. Perfect, perfect example. Mm-hmm. Seth Rollins. Yeah, he's a bastard. <laughs> But he's a phenomenally talented bastard. I know. He's a bastard, but I like your moves. Aye, <laughs> he is a bastard. Though. He is a bastard. Oh, he... oh you're a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he is Divaldi. <laughs> but, yeah. I, love, I love the fact that I was watching the other day when he tried to recruit Alistair Black, mm-hmm. and Alistair Black was like, you know what, I'm going to say no. And then he's like, you see the tone, and she's like, I don't think you... I like, basically, like, I wasn't asking you, I'm telling you, like, fucking... Yeah, he's like, if you're telling me, come ahead, <laughs> prick. Yeah, that is exactly word for word how it went down. Aye. Come ahead, jabas. And also, the Undertaker getting involved at mm-hmm. Elimination yeah. Chamber, he looked fucking good, man. <laughs> and like... The last few times I've seen Undertaker, he looked like this kind of scraggly old guy. Uh-huh. He looked fucking good. He looked like American badass taker. Mm-hmm. Like he looked built. He looked solid. The rumors have started up again about biking biker taker because uh, AJ kind of well, he's shooting brother kind of thing. Like where he just referred to him as Mark. Yeah, yeah. And, and mentioned his wife. No, like, his wife who had to complain to get mentioned. <laughs> No offence, but I know that was fucking yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, but I get why people want to see Owen go back to what we're I'll, talking I'll about. I'll rephrase his wife who had to complain to get mentioned, and then have her husband complain again to get her mentioned. Mm-hmm. Or was it complain after she got mentioned? I don't know. Oh, he, he basically he said it's too late. Like I don't like to believe that's the Undertaker using that to work. I think it's Michelle doing it for him. Yeah, I think that's like. I think that's like. 
Oh, I'm going, you have to say something. He's like, fine, all right. Like, like, when somebody, fucking... like when somebody gets like a woman in a pub with a friend, and like, you have to kind of let him talk to me like that. That's, that's, that's what it was. You're going to let them fucking ignore me like that? Fine, I'll say something. That's bullshit, man. AJ, fucking you and me outside. Fucking leave him, he's not worth it. <laughs> 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 that's what it's like. Mark, Mark, I'm telling you, leave it, it's not worth it, Mark. Kill him when he fucking said something, you kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I know. <laughs> she wasn't even that good anyway. I know. Michelle McCool. Oh, look at me. I was the inaugural Divas champion, and that's something to be mentioned for. I know. Yeah. Hardly could look even that good. I mean, those people feel is making fun of the uh, making fun of bloody. Mickey James is weight because somebody back to you thought Mickey's put on a bit of weight even though Mickey James has yeah. never been what you consider Michi- fat Michelle McCall was it no her and that other bastard that went and wandered about with that split into a woman I fucking, hated that fucking fuck Michelle McCall man I know I hate that bitch like, like they went on a thing when they had two like belts like they had two versions of the belt each and then they just had the half half and half like no aye I hated that that was gay as hell, wasn't it? Yeah, I was watching a thing that was ranking different title belts. The two guys who were doing it, they didn't rank that belt very high. Mm. But they were complimentary. Or like they liked the idea of the two heels having half and half a belt. And I'm like, no, it was shit. Aye, it was bullshit. Only, yes, granted, maybe the idea of a, a heel team having half of a belt on paper might seem good. But you actually look at the belt itself when you, how they came out on TV, it looked shite. It looked like... They'd had, they, their mother had bought them one toy belt to share between them and they broke it so now they have to carry the two all like it's like if you carry fucking share there well, that's basically it <laughs> you know but moving back to Owen that we were talking about earlier yes like I get why the king of hearts like, I even put a, a gif out of Owen in a tweet and saying like hopefully one day and then I put I chose, like I chose the right gif it was Owen at slamming his sword going I'd like to thank nobody but myself can I just say, mm-hmm. enough is enough and it's time for an induction. I know. And God damn it. <laughs> and our good friends on Earth 1, Scott and Paul, uh, said, put another gift of Owen doing the wound, he went, maybe only in our hearts. Yeah. That, which is sad but true. Sad but true. Mm-hmm. But because I just... Oh man, I miss Owen. I know. I miss him. Because, like, I hated his brother. <laughs> I hated his brother with a passion, but do you know what? I loved Owen. You know, watching, like, thinking about it now, like, Owen, if he was still alive today, he would have long since returned. I think maybe 2002, he would be the limit of when he, and then he would be done. No, well, I'd, I'd he, heard rumour, like, when he did unfortunately pass, that he was, he was planning on even, leaving anyway. I think he wanted to be mayor with his family. Yeah, he only had a couple of years left. So he could have maybe got into the, sort of, high water point of the, well, into the, into the meat of the Attitude Era, mm-hmm. and then probably... Yeah, because like, if he was around when Eddie, Benmore and Jericho and then Angle all came in, yeah. that'd been great. But, like, you got to wonder how like, he was partnered with Jeff Jarrett, and, like, what? how would Jeff leaving have affected him if, if the rumours are true that he was maybe the game and all that, but... Mm. Can you imagine? imagine? Imagine him and Stephanie as a duo. That well, it's not good. just that. I mean, how if he had been the game... Mm-hmm. What in the name of crap would he have done with Triple H? I think he would have had more claim to be in the game because he is from a wrestling family, so he 
is one, he's some born into wrestling. He's born into the game. I could see a phenomenal feud between him and Owen. Yeah. You know, for the rights to be the game. I think, yeah, that'd be cool. But, like, if he was around today, maybe he came back once or twice, maybe as a guest trainer at the Performance Centre. Yeah. But can you imagine if he was still alive and he, get, and he got inducted? Because I think if he was still alive, he'd have been inducted long ago because the incident wouldn't have Just happened. imagine him coming out and going, I did it all by myself! Because like, the way that he died is the main reason why he's not in. Mm. But if he, I would think if he was still alive and he got inducted, can you imagine, like... How great his speech would have been, oh, he would have done that. He would have been like, so good. I think because he's still been, like, as funny as everybody says he was, like, always yeah. ribbing people. Yeah. You've got to think he came back to the porn centre and started ribbing the young guys. The young guys would have been, like, like made it feel, like, honoured, like, like hearing stories about <laughs> the Owen. young that, guys like, going, oh, you. Oh, Owen. <laughs> oh, Owen. What are you like? Yes, yeah. <laughs> but no, nah, it's. it's I mean, even we can we can be like hearted and stuff, but you know, it's still it's still even to this day, it still hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking about how he passed and blah blah blah. But when when you go earlier, when you go, well, you don't think about how he passed. You think about the incredible legacy the guy left. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, despite never actually having the, the main belt, mm-hmm. the guy was great. And I go as far as say I I honestly think he was better than Brett because for the one simple reason. He had that one thing that Brett could only ever dream to have mm-hmm. personality. Yeah, I think Owen, like I think Owen does have all a lot to Brett, and he's turned his gear because his main like, coming out part of this food with Brett. And yeah. Brett was the one who said to when uh, he pitched that food, but with Bruce and uh, Brett, and basically he, Owen, Brett had the foresight to say, "No, it was me and Owen doing it. It's going to be a lot better." And yeah. he was right. It was. So you know, like. He always been in that sense, but like, yeah, like he gave me the opportunity. But I think his personality helped carry through. And like, I remember a review of the Rumble when uh, I watched when Owen did the uh, I kicked your leg at your leg, and he thought you can see in his face he instantly knows like, oh shit, yeah. like, this is your big promo. And like, you like, did I fucking just say kick your leg out of your leg? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Everybody still quotes it, but you know, yeah. even like. um like, see when he went he went away, mm-hmm. and then he came back at the end of DX in your house? As the black heart. As the black heart. See if they'd have ran with that? I think the, the, the problem was, by then they knew we were going to have Austin v Sean at Mania. So I think it was a right play, right person, right place, just wrong time. Ugh, no, but like, like that character, like, I seen that come out and I thought, like, the first time I watched that tape, because mm-hmm. like, I'd, I'd never, I can admit, I'd never seen these events. Mm-hmm. At the time, but when I got that tape, I seen DX in your house and I seen Owen come out. <laughs> Me being the big fucking, you know, Sean loving fiend, but oh, even me, I was going fucking smack him, Owen. Like, they see what he's done to your family. They could have saved it because they put him in a food with Triple H because also they knew they couldn't have him and Sean because partly because A, Sean had the food, uh, Austin, plus, yeah. plus Sean hurt his back. Yeah. But like, you always think. No, not, I'm not uh, discrediting the, uh, the match at Mania 14 because Sean did a lot for what his injury was. Oh. So can you imagine him having the match with Owen with that injury because Owen, I think, would know what to do, how he worked the match. They two would have worked out a perfect match. You think Owen, Owen would have been able to make Sean look a lot better than he actually looked in that match? Yeah, I mean, Sean probably is was the one that insisted to still doing the back like flip-over bump. Oh. I think Owen also, knowing that he'd injured uh, Austin a while back, would know he didn't want to seriously do any more yeah. damage to somebody. Sean... I mean, a lot of people do blame the fact that he injured Austin as the reason that he didn't go any further. 
I don't believe so. I believe that was just a... That could have happened to anybody in any match. That was just a freak of comes, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, I've watched that SummerSlam, and, you know, truth be told, I've watched that SummerSlam once, mm-hmm. because I, I can't watch that more than once. You know, like, see, like, the minute Owen picks him up, mm-hmm. and you know what's coming, uh-huh. you're like... Uh, in the match, yeah. you watch it, it's good, and you see... I remember watching it and seeing like, Austin did some moves that I'd never seen him do before, like, why didn't he do this? And later he's good, and then you realise, like, Oh yeah, probably because of the uh, yeah. the injury. And I don't know what I don't know what makes me win smell though. Watching Austin take that pile driver, mm-hmm. or watching the Undertaker take that fucking chair shot he takes. Oh, you know, like when nice. when Brett but- spits and then like because I watched uh, Brett's you know Brett's greeting face documentary. Yeah, wrestling with shadows. Whining bitch. <laughs> but I watched his why 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 the WWF are bad to me documentary, and. Uh, I think it was Pritchard that was backstage watching on the monitors mm-hmm. and when Sean clatters Undertaker that chair he goes like oh fuck <laughs> you know what I mean because yeah. Sean like I don't know if him and the Undertaker had, had like spoke before match mm-hmm. but my Christ he, he swings that chair I mean I think Undertaker's kind of he's an old school kind of tough guy so I think Taker would have been fine no but so the way Sean swung that chair man I think Undertaker had to act like he couldn't see it coming so like he could put his hands up because like he's maybe standing behind Brett not seeing the chair yeah. coming the only thing that was Set me in my head. I'm going. I really wish that connected with that cunt. <laughs> I wish he'd have knocked that stupid Canadian fuck skull right off. Uh, I hate Brett. I, I know. I, <laughs> I did know. I do love showing slow count. Count like like he's looking right at Brett. He's doing. Yeah, he's it. like. Mm, yeah, prick. And like these storms are like fuck. <laughs> bastard. But like I thought about Owen. The thing with him and Triple H, you could have saved that him him like the whole background thing by having him beat Triple H. Mm. But they haven't won the European title on Raw. Quickly lose it back, despite the fact that Triple H is in a his leg is fucked. Loses Triple H at Mania, losing to him again at Unforgiven. Mm, yeah. Uh, but mainly because they're trying to get over the fact that China keeps interfering on his behalf and all that. But like, haven't beat Triple H because Sean took the title from his brother-in-law and then like what uh, in a joke of a match dropped it to Triple H. Remember when they they I, I like, love that down? match. I know, but like. In their eyes, would be seen as disrespectful. And then <laughs> he takes the title back. I can't believe I lost my covering European title. Oh. <laughs> hey, Serge! Ah! <laughs> Couple of wins or two. You were in that long before me, made one out of you. <laughs> well, actually, was that that one, or did he see, no, see that event? I think one of the two, I can't remember. Oh, one of the two. I just, you know. I know we keep doing more rambling segue in here, but see Sean and Triple H at that point. Uh-huh. Funniest bastards on Raw, I tell you. So, like, you see them acting. I think that's so too entertaining because they're acting how they probably did in their spare time. No, well, like happened. a couple of wee cunts. Right, and that's probably why I'll talk about a promo later on in this show that we're going to talk about. The promo with uh, Nash and Sean, the two dudes that Or to say they're going to become two chats with all the straps. The two chats with all the straps. But, like, uh, you see so much personality from Diesel in this promo with Sean than you have in his entire like, WF run yeah. and the promos we see on the previews in your houses because and those days have been that despite the fact you're seven feet tall be typical baby face and then yeah. Sean's like I'm just having a laugh in my pal and they both take the piss out of Doc Hendricks yeah like that's like the click just being them but well 
I think we have rambled quite a bit, should we get into this review? We have. Can I just quickly make one reference to that European title match? Yeah. Lubet. Big air quotes there. Match. Lubet. Where Sean lies down and Triple H came to strides across the ring and bounce. Strides right. Bounce. And Sean rolling about the ring going, no, no, I've lost it now. And then we in the middle of the ring going, hey Sarge, ah. And Swall just going, <laughs> with a chin. That in the episode of Raw when they put the wee visors on with the windy wipers. So what were you saying, Sergeant Slobber? <laughs> <laughs> and when he's talking to him, we'll keep going, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> See? Children. I know. <laughs> Both of them. But funny. <laughs> so, the moment that people have been waiting 30 odd minutes for. <laughs> 35 minutes, 23 seconds. Thank you, Hall. You're welcome, Scott. This is In Your House <laughs> 3, Triple Threat, September 25th, 1995, from the Saginaw Civic Centre in Saginaw, Michigan. I was younger then. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't don't depress yourself, Paul. But like, I've I've never even heard of this. I did double check when I was writing. I probably I think I misspelled it and everything. But like, I've never heard of this city that they went to. I don't think what city did we go to? Saginaw, Michigan. I think they said it was like only a couple of miles outside of Detroit. Ah, so probably that's like, why you haven't heard of it. Yeah. Like, they say, I think it's because it's a smaller venue. There's only five thousand plus people. In attendance, mm. 5,146. It, it was an early in your house. Yeah, and also it is 95, a very famously bad year financially for them. So again, they're one of these, one of these dark, uh, smaller venues. The buy rate, it's, from what I can find, is the same as last month, as 0.7 buy rate, 280,000 uh, people bought here, same as in your house too, so... Not a huge one. It's not a huge, like, not a, well, it's not a shift. But it's not really getting any better either. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of staying. And I think in your house goes down to zero point six. And you know, I think the first in your house I mentioned. Well, oh, come on, the next one's got bulldog against Diesel in the main event. Spoilers. <laughs> but the first in your house had like three hundred and eighteen thousand. That, again, that's not a lot, but it's still decent for a BB review. And like, I think the attendance again is going down. It was like yeah. seven thousand first in your house, six thousand something, and the second, and then five thousand. You mind you. Probably to do with the venues they're going to because the next month in your house is going to be over around 10,000 when they go across the border for into the Great White North in Canada in the next month's pay per view. Yeah, also, we've had the uh, Summer Slam between us and a very noteworthy event happened. Paul, I'm sad to say, the last the last in your house tag team title match. That's the last time you're going to get to see the Allied Powers team up. No. Yes, I'm sorry to tell you. No, I'm I'm going to have to stand up and get my tobacco because of that. You you do what you have to to cope, man. You mean you, you mean do. we'll never see that 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 exalted team of Lex Luger and Bulldog ever again? I'm I'm afraid so. That sucks, man. I know. It's All these years later, it still sucks. Man. I know. But yes, Lex Luger has departed ways with the company because. He's spent a good few months because he's gay. Because he spent a good few months without a contract in the company, they never resigned, so he decided to go over you. to go over to WCW. But do you know and what? Shows up on the first ever Nitro Live. If, and if I was Lex Luger, and I had been basically like 
paraded around like I was going to be a champion, only to not be made a champion, mm-hmm. I'd be a little aggrieved too. Yeah. Apparently, he worked at WF Live event the night before he showed up on Nitro as well. Yeah. And then so he done it. He done a Rick Rude then. Mm-hmm. So technically, and then weirdly the raw taping like around like a week or so after like a raw taping that happened during the same time as a uh, uh, Nitro. Yeah. That was also they were preempted that week, so that night for Nitro went unopposed, but they did a taped raw early the next couple weeks after that. Yeah. He had been at that raw taping that had aired like going against the second. Nitro, mm. but he'd been in a dark match. He didn't appear on the actual TV, which is good because that meant they didn't have to edit him out of anything. Yeah. And Bulldog. Who did he fight? I think he was in a big six man with like Taker and uh, John maybe. I think against I don't know Mabel and some heels. I don't know. Uh, so a, a standard goodies against yeah, cunts. It was a dark match thing, maybe an early or like the like closing dark match because the Raw teams during this time like they taped a good few back to back to see one cost so. By the end of it, you can tell the crowd are knackered. <laughs> and Bulldog had turned heel, I think they were all before SummerSlam, attacking uh, Diesel, maybe him and Diesel versus uh, Men on a Mission, to lead yeah. up to Mabel v Diesel. And Bulldog attacked Diesel. And according to certain stories, I don't know how accurate this is, but allegedly before uh, Lex Luger left, because nobody knew he was going to leave, the thought was at this in your house they would have had uh, Bulldog versus Lex. Like face like versus heel bulldog. Yeah, but obviously that didn't happen because Luger's now in WCW and uh, obviously they've done a lot better for himself. He won the WCW title all but briefly. For, How long did he hold it? Well, he won it in September. I think he'd lost it by within a month or so. Like even in November, he might have lost it because they're uh, so up, they're building up to Starcade in December, which is maybe Hogan v uh, Sting. He held he held his title as long as Bray held his first title. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, and he, he had already been Dozy in his first run. Yeah, so he, he did have that, I suppose. I mean, that didn't go particularly well, yeah, because I think he was around at the time that Flair left. So I think in the match where he won it, people were just chanting for Flair th- throughout the entire match. Mm. So, you know, one of the earliest instances of fans really hijacking a show, to be honest. Well, at least people remember it. I mean, a lot of the time when you tell people that Ron Simmons was a champion in WCW, they go, who? Huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Like, you're only the first ever African champion, I know. you know, but fucking who? I know, people will, well, people don't really remember. But, so Luger... <coughs> well, they go like, Farouk was a champ? Mm-hmm. But it's probably best for Lex that he did leave. And on this show, it's the first instance we've had on these this series of a three-man commentary where we have Vince and the King, as we have the last couple of but we have good old JR Jim Ross joining us as well. Looking, good old JR. Looking, this is before he's some of these more serious bouts of Bell Posey, so... The difference from here, even like the difference between him here and even ninety eight, Jim Ross. You mean, Ross is, you is mean he articulate as well? Well, yeah, but like you look at how Vince JR looks like on commentary in ninety eight, mm. and then here it's still a lot. This looks more like WCW, like JR like ninety three when he came in. Yeah, that looks a lot still a lot like that JR. Paul, a big issue I had with this show is that uh, the fact the runtime of this show is one hour fifty four minutes. Yeah, which is relatively short. Especially nowadays when pay-per-views seem to go on for ages Yeah, now. pay-per-views nowadays are short pay-per-views, four hours nowadays. But like, because of that, it felt like everything on the show was in fast-forward, fast-forward, fast-forward. Like, yeah, like, like, day-less match, day-less match, day-less match, main event. Like, Vince suddenly realised, shit, quickly, come on, Antiques Roadshow starts at half, and anyone might be up the road for that. Because, <laughs> like, you have, like, backstage segments where 
people are coming out news and then somebody's music's playing because they're coming out and then it goes back to they're halfway down the ramp or they're already in the ring so people even though it's a pay-per-view people aren't getting proper entrances yeah yeah which is, which is a weird small thing but it was really annoying me mm. it, is, it is a little disjointed mm-hmm. like not even a firm like two hours like it's an hour and 54 minutes that really just yeah really perplexing but like you like you said around about 95 mm-hmm. there was a lot of like lesser pay-per-views that were like that mm-hmm. you know lesser shows lesser like because I used to hate that and all like like um, like somebody was getting an interview segment and you'd hear somebody's music start and you'd be like oh fuck and then we'd have to cut away and yeah like you know I mean the purpose of reviewing it you don't have to sit through a three and a hour show. That's fine. Yeah, it's not yet. So like the short length is sometimes good, but but, but sometimes you would like that little bit of extra you're length. Like, you like just like calm it down. Like even if you go, you give us entries a bit like one or two more minutes. You're only gonna have like a two hour yeah. at, at most. I mean, show. It, it does show a lot of disrespect to the wrestlers. Yeah, and you weirdly, know? despite the fact it was so short of a show, certain matches still felt like they dragged on for far too long. <laughs> Which is, like, how is that even possible? How could you be too short and too long at the same time? That is due to the quality of the wrestlers in said matches. Very much. I want to talk about the uh, the video package as well. Like, I was really enjoying it at the start. Like, teasing up the, how Sean and Diesel losing, if one of them lost and caused the other to lose their belt, then how would that affect their, their friendship? Their friendship and blah, blah, blah. And I think... The, this, this video pack I think seemed to imply in the video pack he's kept implying Sean's going to be the one to cost Diesel because yeah, yeah. twice we talked about who's going to lose their belt he did a big flash a big shot of the Intercontinental title basically saying Sean's the weak link and then yeah. on commentary they kept saying that either Owen or Yoko would pin, would pin Sean yeah. so they're kind of implying Sean's going to end up costing I, Diesel his belt I love that weirdness in that period as well like Always painting Sean out to be like the devious one or the, the weak link in the team. I think it's to be like he's the smaller of the two. Maybe. Yeah, but that that is Vince. Vince is kind of hard on for the, the muscular types. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, let's get Diesel in. Can he wrestle? Not that well, but he's big. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, when we get to the event, he lose fairly quickly for a big guy. This is before he's completely fucked his both his squads. I seen that second time he fucked his quad when he came back. That was hilarious. <laughs> how did how you fuck your quad tagging out? I know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> tag it out and you fuck your quad. How do you do that? I don't know. You know, like uh, diddy. What, what I did like is it was a big like arm of attention. Like how big a deal this is that three titles in the line in one match. Yeah, and like you say, oh, it's like, like such a short pay per view. You'd think with such a big stipulation. Mm-hmm. The way I gave it more time, more sort of, well, I think it was more still, maturing. You I know, think it was one of the like longer matches on the show, though. Still, mm. that and the second last match, I think, are the two matches that get the most time. Well, it's just like an example being like if you look in the modern era, right? Mm. And you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the modern era, uh-huh. but the one thing I will give the modern era, as opposed to like sort of ninety five, ninety six era, well, ninety five, early ninety six era. We we didn't give enough time for the maturing the stories, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we did, like you say, a bit of a promo package, blah, 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 a wee bit of build-up, but we never really let it sink in. Yeah. You know? And whereas nowadays, we'll do a big build-up, we'll do a lot of story, we'll really get you invested in the in the wrestlers and the, in the match, and then the match will be shite. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like... <laughs> You know, like like perfect example, Coffee v Brock. Oh jeez. You know, 
big build up. Oh, Kofi B Brock, and then oh, he lost. Like in here, they've got a running story that goes through the night, all talk about in a second. But like when they're doing segments related to that story, they keep doing the half and half during the match matches where a match happened on one side. And then something related to that story will happen on the same. Yeah. You can't wait till after the match to give us a wee break in between, like, we'll have a segment related to the story here, and then after this next match, yeah. break up the uh, the show a little bit. But what I didn't like is after that big thing of the, the triple threat, and then I just then go into the the song that you guys heard at the start, the, the oh, in your house. And We're in your house tonight. We're in your house. And then just showing basically the highlights of the first two in your house. So it's basically a highlight package. Oh. Sorry about that, there was Paul's speaker going off there. I'm very sorry, I didn't realise I still had my Bluetooth on. Yeah, numpty. I'm very sorry. I turned it off. Anyway, so yeah, and then weirdly, like, though that in your house, we logo, and the first show it went through the door, yeah. and suddenly it gets a ladder, and then climbs up and through the window at the start. Like, it's just weird. And then we go in, like, only 5,000, like the 5,000 like, people are still nothing to laugh at. But for the company at this point, it's still considered a very small crowd, but they seem very into the show. Like, see we all about the same period. The small crowd is still very hot ones, usually. Yeah. More than that. And then we have uh, Vince, JR, and King commentary. I put this, this is more so for the, the first half of the pay-per-view. I just put, with a couple of exclamation marks at the end of my notes, shut up, Vince. Because Vince will not shut the fuck up for at least a good 10-15 minutes at the start of this show. Yeah. What's your thoughts? What's your thoughts? Oh, let's take another ring. And then during the entire show, well, let's see what happened on Superstars. <laughs> and look at it all coming over. Like, shut up. Let JR get a word in because for the first couple of matches, JR barely gets a word in. Yeah. And then JR is always beating up and then, oh, yeah. And Vince just doesn't respond to comments that uh, King made. He just laughs at like, ah, oh, oh, oh. He does an old Vince. Like, the old weird laugh. Like... It's like in the room and Tommy so just laughs at random things like, why are you laughing? Nothing funny happened. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Vince doesn't know how to speak. This is why, like, some people seem sure, like, when I say I don't like Vince as a commentator, this is why. Yeah. I, like, you have GR and King here, what the, one of the best commentator teams ever, and now they're stuck with Vince. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, God love him. I loved Vince's energy. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes he really, he did bring something to a commentary, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. But it was, it was very few and far between. I mean, Vince either had a lot of coffee, a lot of cocaine, or he maybe a mixture of both before the show, they took that fast. <laughs> yes. So the dark match happened before the show, it was uh, Fatu, later going known as Rikishi, defeating... Hunter Hurst Helmsley. This Fatu when he was when he was bringing the bringing power to the people in the streets. Yeah, defeated uh, Hunter Hurst Helmsley in a dark match. Yeah, this is before he would get a weird rubber thing on his face and be called the Sultan. I like the Sultan. <laughs> All right, yeah. I like the so, Sultan. The, the, the face you're like, how dare you insult the Sultan? Well, yes, how dare you? I like the Sultan. So our opening match on the actual pay per view, it is. Savio Vega with a weird yeah, the weird hand symbol that he does like you know, yeah. the little thing in the thumb get out shaved into the back of his head against Waylon Mercy yeah someone I, someone I was interested to talk about when I knew we were doing this show because I knew he was on this now Waylon Mercy is only just debuted he's been immediately doing like squash matches on Raw and that and he did these weird like vignettes doing this like softly spoken psycho that you can tell like 
he's fucking no right. Mm. And I used to think he had a weird scar. He said, no, it's a, it's a knife tattoo on right on his forehead. Ah, he's supposed to be like the guy for Cape Fear. Yeah, Matt Scary. Yeah. He, he has a white Hawaiian shirt and like... Fun, funnily enough, like, Bray Wyatt himself has said he's taking some of his influence. Yeah, like, you can see in early Bray Wyatt, we talked about in the Rich Fed, like, the Wyatt shirt and the way he spoke. And yeah. He apparently even went to Dan Spive, who portrayed Whale of Mercy and got his advice. Yeah. And the gimmick. What's sad, though, is this is a gimmick that could have went so far. Oh, it could have been. It could have been, like, a, a, a new generation era Jake Roberts. Maybe. Like, this is... I would believe this might be the one and only pay-per-view appearance for Whale and Mercy. Yeah. I mean, I don't I mean... He's not in the next couple of shows. I don't think he's in a, a rumble, so... And part of that is because Dan Spivey had been around for a while. He was coming towards the tail end of his career. Yeah, and, and unfortunately in this match he suffers a defeat. Yeah, but he had, he's been dealing with several injuries and even then everybody he wishes that he got this guy like a few years earlier so they could have went much further. Like he even had matches against Diesel on Raw which for some day in that year going against the champion. Yeah, it was, and, it and was good. Be, and Dan Zivey is a deceptively tall guy when you see him next day uh, Sandro Vega. yeah. Because he was famously part of a tag called the Skyscrapers in WCW with, uh, with uh, Sid Vicious. Yeah. And they called the Skyscrapers obviously because of how tall they were. And they were managed by uh, good old Teddy Long. And then when Sid initially went to the WF the first time, he uh, his place was taken in the Skyscrapers by Mean Mark Kellett. Mean Mark. So, Whale Mercy has teamed with both uh, Sid Vicious and The Undertaker in a previous life. Huh. Which is cool. Not a bad team. Mm-hmm. And he's dressed in kind of all white, and you, you, you do you do notice he moves quite slowly, and I think that's partly because of his injuries, but he still looks pretty good for a big guy, yeah. I think. And uh, he comes in, he initially wants to like shake uh, Savio Vegas' hand, so he doesn't accept it, and then he goes to jump him, but Savio's too smart, but he sees it coming. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, some people do slag Savio Vega, and He's actually really over I, for this crowd. I never did. Well, not seeing you, but some people do. Like the time he was the mystery partner to replace Sean when everybody thought it was going to be someone big. Come on, he was Quang. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, was, was yeah. he Quang? He yeah. was Quang. <laughs> all right. Did you not know he was Quang? Yeah, I, I knew he was Quang. All oh, part of me thought he was actually someone else was Quang, but never mind. No, Savio Vega was Quang. Mm-hmm. The guy who spat the green mist. <laughs> And who is featured on my, you know, my Hits from the Heartbreak Kid video? Mm-hmm. There's a match between Shawn Michaels and Quang. Fair enough. Shawn beats him. What do you think of uh, Will and Mercy's, like, intro, intro like, like the, the line from Heimfemmes that the lives are going to be in Will and Mercy uh, fans? I like it. I, I always thought it was very ominous type, mm-hmm. you know? Like you say, like... I know I keep referencing Bray here, but it reminds me very much of, like you say, original Bray, mm-hmm. with his weird sort of, you know, cult leader motherfucking, yeah. you know, I'm going to talk quietly to you, because if I talk loud, mm-hmm. you might not take me seriously, and I might have to come to your house. And he just, it's, it's the, and he's when you hit the camera, it's slowly the man, and you like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just look at you, like, but he lives on with, through Mercy of the Buzzard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he does. So, Savio, it's a weird status because Savio takes the bigger man out and tries to work the arm, like, famously a big hot start move to the opening match. But uh, when Anita got Mercy takes control and 
he basically dominates Zabu for a lot of this match. He even takes it as he hits a slam yeah. on him. And it's during this match we get a kind of a half and half clear screen with all, all the screen focused on the match and half focused on Doc Hendricks. Get used to these half and half things. Yeah. It's going to happen a few times. And Doc Hendricks breaks They the are news. most irritating. Doc Hendricks breaks the news that Owen Hart is not in the building. It's because his wife is pregnant yes. and he's at the hospital with her. I don't know if that was legit why he wasn't there. I think no, it was it was it was kayfabe. Yeah, it was kayfabe. But I think originally his wife had recently given birth. Yeah. So I think that's why they used it. Yeah, they worked they worked it into the story, but like the actual fact she was in the hospital was kayfabe. But like he uh, he said that like, no one had seen him. They'd seen Fuji, Cornet, and Yoko, but no one had seen Owen like all day, and they were speculating what's going to happen in the main event, the big we triple. We should have just got Mister Fuji to replace him. Yeah, I mean Fuji was a former tag team champion. He even. They did, I think, a three-on-two handicap match when it was when he turned on demolitions. He teamed with yeah. the Powers of Pain, I think it was. He did. I have that one, too. Was that a WrestleMania? Five, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. But... It's one of those tapes I know I have that I don't watch often. <laughs> so, then the, uh, that's the one. That starts the story through the night, like, the idea of looking for a replacement for Owen. Yeah. But... So they're wondering, like, oh, what's going to happen with uh, with Owen? And then they come and they're like, well, I haven't seen Owen all day and all that. And so at one point, William Mercy hits a brain buster, which looked very, like, devastating. I thought yeah. that was going to be a bit, like, because he looks like he properly done him. Like, I thought he was just going for a regular suplex, and then he studs him, like, just drops him, like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and there's points where I think his finisher, main finisher at the time, was the uh, sleeper hold. No. And so he tries that on Savio, but Savio eventually gets back. I think... It's in this match where there's a spot where I believe it's uh, Vega taking it from Mercy. Mm. Where basically Mercy goes for a flat deck onto the uh, onto the top rope. Yeah. And uh, so he may hang Zabu over the top rope, but basically when he goes down, Zabu basically like he landed on his feet and then just dove into the ropes. Yeah. So it looked very weird. Now, I say most of Zabu was fairly over, he was with most of the crowd. There are a few young men in the front row, but every time Sarah does any anything offensive, they just do the boo like the mm. thumbs down thing. You mean you mean the ball bags? Yeah, ball bags. They're like the modern day wrestling. They probably read the Dutch. He's like, I remember William Mercer when he was in the skyscrapers in WCW. All right, later so, like the, the modern day keyboard warrior. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so from like the majority of this, <laughs> like <laughs> those young boys in the front row are now those fat, balding, older men sitting at the keyboard going, I disagree with this. <laughs> like, and everyone else is going, nobody cares. <laughs> hey, shut up. Yes. Like, so, so it's only a six or seven minute match with Mercy dominating, but then he, he misses a move, then he went for an elbow, and then he gets caught with a spin kick from Savio, and Savio picks up the win. Savio and his spin kicks. It was a decent enough spin kick. Oh, no, it's just that was always like Savio, you're like, ah, Savio, you and your spin kicks. Like, he hits the move, hits the win, and they, they were hyping up Mercy being like. Uh, undefeated. Yeah. So it seemed weird that in his first pay per view appearance he was. It would loose. be defeated. But like when you know like the background and his injuries <sighs> and the fact that he's winding down basically. Yeah. And given Sag was no long debut, I think they realised like he's kind of winding down, but he's got all the experience so he can put over this young guy. So he Savio will rub against somebody good. And I think from there he would kind of lose quite a bit and he would put guys over before quietly just leaving, which is a shame again because the, the gimmick could have gone. Yeah, but, yeah. Someone who I did really enjoy in this. Enjoying the show was uh, acting president Gorilla Monsoon. Yes, that was good as ever. Uh, Big Monsoon was in the back with uh, Cornette and like where the hell is Owen? Like 
Owen's here. I haven't seen him. Well, not in the building, but he's will in Michigan. Will you stop? Like he said, like, Owen's not in the building, but he is in Michigan. He will be here. And uh, Doc Hendricks keeps trying to get between them asking, like, what's happening? And the uh, girl wants to basically says, well, it's been advertised, triple f- the triple header. It's going ahead. These people aren't going to be ripped off. We're still going to have the match. Yeah. And uh, this is the thing I'm talking about. While he's making this announcement, he's barely got a few words in the lawyers. Dun, 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 dun. We said he goes his music playing. Mm. Like this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. You're, it's going over his promo. Luckily, once he's a naturally loud person, so you can still hear his promo. Yeah. But like, he, I, I'm more focused on fucking you just listening to Sid's music. That's just how my mind works. You, can, you can't not focus on Sid's music. Yeah. You can't not focus on Sid. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like once in. And Cornette had a really good interaction, kind of like he said with uh, with Bobby Heenan, like yeah. the old juice. He, he's one we should definitely do a retrospective on. The Monson? No, Sid. Oh, Sid. And Monson. Oh, whatever. But like, uh, alright. You know, I, I talked to the last month that the only at the end of the last in your house review that I remembered that Owen didn't actually compete in the match. He was taking. Yeah. And I remember like getting being annoyed because I was so excited, so like, oh, we're gonna get to see a tag match. No more like lumbering big guys in the main event. It's going to be we're going to see Owen and Sean tangle up in there. Oh wait, no, Owen's not in the match. And I was kind of yeah. sad. And also, is it weird that I was sad that I uh, tweeted the image of like the graphic for the match to promote this uh, this review, and it was Sean in the graphic has the Intercontinental Championship with the white strap, but then on the show he has it with the black strap. Yeah. And for some reason that that annoyed me, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because I prefer the white shirt than the black one, but... It just annoyed you. It, it just it's did. one of those things, you don't have to explain why it annoyed you. It just annoyed you. It just did. It's like, it's like, um... It's like on Impact when they went and changed the women, the knockout stuff, championship, just ever so slightly, and I went... Nah, that doesn't look right. No. Our second match is Psycho Sid versus Henry Godwin or the Hog Farmers he just keeps getting referred to as and the main build to this is basically both Ted DiBiase and Sid have been slopped by Henry Godwin we've seen at the last in your house that it seemed like Godwin was trying to you know get a favour with uh, DiBiase trying to get in the corporation yeah. but it uh, didn't work out so now Hog Farmer is a face coming out to his beard like pig noise diddly diddly theme. He's pig noise diddly diddly. That's the best thing that you hear. And then you hear the. I say more Irish than that. It sounds like Orange Hoggles theme song. But. Hog farmers coming down the ring to diddly diddly D music. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Diesel. Sorry, not Diesel. I uh, said Powerbomb Hog Farmer on on the outside of the ring. Yeah. And it's a bit where after they got Slobus. Did this infuriate. Finn McCoy was. Did this infuriate Sid? He says that as it shows footage of Sid launching a bin up a flight of stairs back to the general, like, yeah, I think it may have annoyed him just a little bit, Vince. I think he was slightly peeved. A little bit miffed. Yeah. Mm. Right. And this starts a running theme here, and I'm not against it happening, like the idea of the heel targets a body part on the face-to-face, it gets it worked over ages and has to fight back, and it affects their offense because they've got a really like weakened body part, but, yeah. this, but this is the first of three matches in a row where this is used. Yeah. First up, uh, in this instance, it's Henry Godwin's back after the power bomb on the outside. Yeah. He becomes a big target of Sid, and you got TBS like getting the odd cheap shot. And you look at Sid; he's not like he doesn't scream 
work over a body part type heel. He's just basically throwing you about the ring type of heel. But you can't really do that with Henry Gordon because Henry Gordon in his own right is a big guy. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't know what he is nowadays, but he was then. Yeah, and probably a very fat man now or something. <laughs> and then Vince really over exaggerates his reaction to said going for like a axe handle off the, uh, the apron. When did Vince not? Uh, that's fair enough. But like, you're like, like, oh my God, it's an axe handle. Like, oh, he's he's gonna he's gonna hit it, he's gonna hit it, and then he, oh God, but like the first people are with, oh he's gonna he's gonna, and then like Sid is just standing still on the apron waiting for yeah, and everyone like Vince in his classic when a when a wrestler standing motionless, he's gonna he's gonna, oh, like he's like he's gonna like Vince comes in, he's not done anything yet, Can and then he doesn't move. Take your pill, <laughs> and then Sid randomly just awkwardly gets back in the ring to break up the count up, and then just wanders back out again. <laughs> And like I said, Dubiasi's getting in shots. Like uh, it looks like the Hulk Armor has like at the match one, like he's yeah. or Virgin Vassalam. Dubiasi just grabs his leg to pull him out, and uh, like Dubiasi grabs his leg as he runs to the ropes, which trips up the Henry Godwin. Yeah. Sid gets a leg drop to the back of the head, followed up by the power bomb, and Sid gets the win. Kind of rightfully so because Sid lost in the main event twice. To Diesel, yeah, and then oh, he lost the IC sorry. title, an IC title opportunity to Sean a few weeks before this. Yeah, so he needed a, a big win to still make him like be feared as the big intimidating yeah. psycho man. So he got a <laughs> big intimidating psycho man. That's the way he says on his business card. Ah, I assume he has a card. <laughs> you can't read it, but it's there. Because he only has half the brain, the judo. Big intimidating psycho man available for parties. <laughs> and then after. DBS wants to get some revenge, he wants to do some sloughing. And then uh, Bam Bam comes out, he still has his issues with the corporation, so he's sprawling with Sid. Then Kama comes out, they, and he holds Bam Bam's arms back, and DBS is going to slough him. Yeah. And then he and Sid are arguing who's going to do it, and then this gives Henry Godwin time to recover. Oh, he sneaks up behind, and he, and he just dumps the bucket on a DBS's head. And also, as we mentioned throughout the match, like. Uh, do uh, Arkansas is, my, is where Henry Godwin's built from, and yeah. uh, like Jr. trying to big up uh, Henry Godwin's a great athlete, and that and King's really slagging Arkansas and all that. Tom Colin Hillbill is jelly. That goes, you know what Arkansas's model is? At least we're not Oklahoma. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Jr. Like indeed it is not. <laughs> so <laughs> Davey like the heels won, but the heel manager got slopped at the end. So yeah, people can yeah, cheer yeah. for the good guy. And I'm, he, I'm he, glad he, I never did that when I met Davey Aussie. What, you throw a slop on? No, God, you remember when they threw that bucket of shit on you, man? You're like, <laughs> yes, I do. Fuck up. Would have any worse have reminded him that time he lost to Hogan? <laughs> I wouldn't do that to him. You did do that to him. The tape, a... the tape did that to him. You brought the tape, so you reminded him. I didn't have anywhere. He want anything. But then you see later on when uh, the super, the super line, DBS is still on the phone, suit's still covered in slop, yeah. which, I think, oh, which is a nice touch. So we go backstage and again... Cornette's annoyed with Monsoon but going ahead and like oh like and Monsoon makes a deal that says either you can have Yoko defend the title against uh, the tag titles by himself against Sean and Diesel which Cornette is not agree with but yeah. technically Yoko would probably count as two maybe even three people at this stage maybe even four I know I mean he's he's not 500 pounds he's closer to 600 possibly at this point look at his ass is 500 pounds by this point and he or he says you can find a partner for Yoko and for one night only they will be sanctioned as one half of the tag team champions mm. and if they if they get the win then they will 
one either the IC or the or heavyweight title if they pinch on or Diesel yeah. in place in the match. So then for the next wee while we have Cornette going backstage because it's a nice wee like story to the night. Who's Cornette going to? Yeah, who's going to be Yoko's partner? Mm-hmm. And uh, well, like during the next match is uh, Joel goes, maybe it could be me. And then in the same match, she says, you know what? I'm taking myself out of consideration as a female <laughs> in consideration. So I can you just imagine if Yoko and fucking JR Le, Le King had won the fucking <laughs> won the tag titles, like, and then yeah, won the main belts. Uh, Bulldog is it nice to do fresh like heel Bulldog and people are chatting uh, USA at him yeah. and the two, I can't talking about how Bulldog is a turncoat for turning his back on the fans and all <laughs> that and they show him turning on Diesel which is still the match that you mentioned earlier next month at, uh, in your house 4 yeah what more interestingly than the match they're even up that next tomorrow night on Raw Bulldog's going to go one on one with the Undertaker oh I wonder how that one went can I also say, like, it's weird, like, I'm not saying this period of the Taker is my favourite, even though there's nothing really that, that wrong with it, but, like, three in your houses in a row, again, no Taker. Yeah. They hyped up a match with Taker we won't get to see, and then they show an advert for next month in your house, the Great White North, and they advertise Taker will get a revenge on an, on an old foe. I looked at the card, Taker's not on in your house four. He's not. He's on in your house five. He is. But, like, so we'll have to wait till then. But also, Warren's tweeting that advert later on. I don't, I can't remember what I saw. Just mentioned now they're advertising the debut of the Bizarre One. Yeah. So next month's the very first match, or well, first televised match of Goldust. So I'm assuming, Paul, that you're very much looking forward to next month for the, for the main fact that we get to see the debut of Goldust. Oh yes. <laughs> and the fact that he defeats that loser who used to tag along with Sean. Mm-hmm. So Bulldog now officially all he didn't get we don't get to see the instant classic that would have been him versus Luger, but we do get to see him versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Yes. <laughs> and right. I like Bigelow. Who you know very unregarded in my opinion. Yeah. He was well I, I think so. He was a I mean you look at Bam Bam, right? Mm-hmm. A big guy. A guy that could move in a way that you wouldn't think a guy of his build could move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did have a, a long career than most people will like, remember. And yeah. Remember, he was on some of the early Survivor Series yeah. as a face. Yeah, the first ever Survivor Series, it's down, it comes down to him and Andre at the end in the main mm. event. And uh, they, they run an advert later on for uh, WrestleMania, the special. Basically, it's a free show in the WrestleMania 11 on uh, Fox. Yeah. Which I think for most people who either didn't see it or maybe the tape hadn't came out yet. It would probably be for them the first time they got to see Mania, even though they probably knew the results. They yeah. refer to Lawrence to every Bam Bam as the match everyone's been waiting for. Oh, totally. But like, you think after that match, like he was paid apparently quite handsomely for for putting over Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. And apparently promised a big like singles push because he was meant to turn face shortly after and need the corporation, which he did. He did. But I don't think he got exactly the push he was hoping for. No. I mean, having V Diesel for the title. Probably would have been better because he can move better than fucking Psycho instead of the Bulldog. Yeah, and but the sad thing about that is even though he was a much more capable wrestler than Diesel was, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have won it. He did not. Show, he did not fit Vince's. You remember the show that we said we must they must not be named. Yeah, we talked about what if they got Vader and like actually now I realize I think Bam Bam may have been employed by WCW, but if, at the time, but like if Bam Bam was able to come in there. 
against maybe Bundy or whoever was like. Do you Bam really? Do you really think that could have saved that pay per view? I think, I think Bun- Bam Bam was still, was still more capable. You could still move better than most of those guys. Oh hell yes! But one match does not save a pay per view. Mm-hmm. You know, is the point I'm making. Yeah, but like it would give us one less thing to complain about, and well, one I mean, shit. One shiny gold nugget and a pile of crap. I mean, not that I would wish being a part of the show on anybody, but like, no, he could have been a bright spot on that show. Yeah. But anyway, this is the second match where we get, again, somebody working over a body part. <laughs> the first part of it is mainly just guys going, both of them going for shoulder tackles, hitting slams. Uh, but at one point, when it seems like Bam Bam has the upper hand, Bulldog chops the leg yeah. and just works over it for what feels like quite a while. Uh, there's a bit where Bulldog goes to roll out of the way of the head but he doesn't roll far enough so Bam Bam manages to hit him with it yeah I think Bulldog goes for a version his own version of the head but he misses it which is weird that they don't mention the Dynamite Kid because they mention he was part of the British Bulldogs as in the tag team yeah but they don't mention the Dynamite Kid when he went for the head but because Dynamite Kid's thing was the diving head but I don't think at that time period they were really mentioning Mm-hmm. Tom, uh, Tom, Billington. Tom Billington because was he not in a kind of fucked up way at the time I think for a lot of his life in his career he was in a fucked up way no but that particular mid 90s period was that not when he was at a high point of his fucked uppery probably I mean the light that he's freshly healed so he's got a lot of heat here and but a lot of this seems like the very same they, they have a lot of the same offense like again one of them goes for slam yeah. the other one goes for slam they both try and knock each other down and there's a long period of, of Bulldog working on live. This is like 12 minutes or something this match goes. Well, this match goes 14 minutes and 53 seconds. See, again, a bit too long. Yeah. And like, I don't think there's even any much reason that's given as to why these guys are fine. Because like, they just explain Oh, it wait, both. no. I correct myself. I was reading one underneath that. This match goes 12 minutes exactly. See, yeah, so 12 minutes. But obviously, 14 minutes is still too long for the match that comes yeah. after this. But like, see, I think the... They don't give much reasons to why they're fine. They just explain that Bulldog is now a heel, but his heel turn did not, did not involve Bam Bam in any way. Yeah. And I think the main issue with this card is the fact that because, obviously, you've got a big match in the main event, it's got all three titles on the line. Yeah. And because, obviously, they don't have nearly as many titles as they have nowadays, the thing is you need to try and build um, the rest of your card around new feats that don't involve titles, and they don't do that that effectively. Do you want to know an interesting little fact here? What's that? See the Bret Hart Pierre Lafitte match? Mm-hmm. It goes 16 minutes 37 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. The main event match mm-hmm. goes 15 minutes 42 seconds. See, I think they both. I think it's right that those two matches are the two longest matches on the card. I agree. Well, you say like maybe one or two minutes more to the main event. Yeah, it seems odd that the penultimate match mm-hmm. is longer than the main event match. I think it's maybe because the new Brett is one of these the guys that they try and model the new gen after, and like he's a guy who can has a, a lot high level of endurance. Shut up. Oh, he is. I know, but come on. <laughs> can we just have one interaction about Brett that doesn't involve you calling my wank? Because you called him a wank earlier on. Okay, Brett Hart was a good professional wrestler. <laughs> Trying to vomit there, Paul. Oh, <laughs> it's hard for me to speak about him without. Being hateful. Mm. I know. <laughs> Bret Hart. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Anyway, we talk about Bulldog though. Yes, we can. It's like, it shows so much. I don't have much else to talk about. I want to try and stretch there a bit, but like, I don't have anything else I want to say. Yeah, it was just a case fair. of like, a couple of big spots, Bulldog working them over for 
X amount of time. Running power slam, which is his main like finisher. I always thought that a little weak finisher for Bulldog, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, well, you want your something like him have a big power move, so I don't see why the running power slam. Like Braun is a big guy; he uses the running power slam. Yeah. So guys of that ilk using that kind of move. What would you have had him do instead? I would have had him doing a more like. Well, I suppose I understand the running power slam because Bulldog was a powerful guy, but also mm-hmm. an agile guy. Mm-hmm. But I think considering Bulldog's strength and bulk, it would have been better if he had a more sort of stationary mm-hmm. power move. You maybe, know? maybe now he, I think he used to do the lead suplex quite a bit back in the day. Maybe that is venture because the idea yeah, of like, the blood yeah. rushing to your head and then someone the fall. So like the 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 idea is the guy may be a bit too disoriented to know where he is to even think about kicking like, out. Even considering Bulldog's strength and his ability for doing that, yeah, elevated standing. And you said, like you said, you would be stationary yeah. just for doing that. But La- seeing his running power slam, see if he had that and made a little mo- like a little forward motion with that and then turned it into something. Aye. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I have seen wrestlers do that. Kind of, I think Matt Morgan used it where he lifts people them up and then just flips them back down. Or yeah, he yeah. could have done a version of like, the X types of beat down where he lifts them up and then flips them around that way. Yeah, there's many ways they could have done it. But anyhow, we're... So, like, I think Builder does struggle. He goes for a suplex at one point on Bam Bam, can't get quite up, and then he just shows up his power where he just manages to get the big weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they marvel over his strength on commentary. Well, he, he, had, he did have phenomenal power. Oh, also, during this match, you see, there's a half and half here where uh, uh, Jim Cornette is trying to convince Psycho Sid to be yeah. the partner. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. Sid's just standing there looking down, and he starts yelling something, and he's very... Very sick of but you can't actually hear what he's saying in the comedy. He's like, what's it even saying? He's just like, shouting and spitting at him. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't probably have made any sense. He probably was shooting gibberish anyway, but I would like to know what he was actually saying. Or, like, he's going, I am the master and the ruler of the world. And like, <laughs> and like, you know, the commentary asking us, like, what did he say? Like, you're supposed to be telling us that. Like, I think we both... <laughs> <laughs> He done a he done a fucking uh, he done a that Scottish guy he done a, fucking boo. <laughs> I think with Bulldogs uh, uh, power slam the issue he does have as a finisher he kind of has it here with Bam Bam and that something when he does it on a bigger guy you can tell that he's struggling to get them up for it. Yeah, like yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't do like the run sometimes with him. He just lifts them up and just basically just slams them down. Aye. A little step forward and yeah, just like, what are you big heavy bastard? Like, like you're like, you're like sack of potatoes, just stood like <laughs> the sack of potato throw. <laughs> so Bulldog wins again, probably rightfully so, given and he's going to be. You probably think by this point they have the plan of him v Diesel in the the next month. Yeah. So next after we- after the uh, the advert for. Uh, Mainly the special. Yeah. Uh, Finster from Power Rangers comes in the ring. I mean, uh, Bob Backlund. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why, why, the, why the comparison with Finster? He looks like some weird creature they, he, they'd create in Power Rangers. Like, he's the best one I can think of. Of course not. He him, looks, him or Babu. That, he looks like something Finster would have created. Yes. One of these weird clay creations comes into the ring, but like... You think he's, he's you just, just imagine the, if Bob Backlund had been had been giganticized by Rita Repulsa? Oh, please no. <laughs> Politics. <laughs> and he comes out and uh, his first line in his promo, if you can call it that, he goes, "Try not to exacerbate me, please." <laughs> and he starts using big words, calls people plebeians. Plebeians. And he, he basically the whole thing is that these people are uneducated and you don't even know how to read and write. Yeah. And he welcomes out. Dean Douglas, 
who he introduces as hailing from the University of Knowledge. <laughs> that sounds like if you didn't go to university and you're trying to lie in an application. Oh, what university did you go to? University of Knowledge. Like uh, the bit I watched coming to America a few weeks ago where <laughs> I, uh, I go to the university. What university? Uh, the University of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Merry New Year! <laughs> and uh, Dean Douglas comes out to uh, a theme song which starts with Neil running down a chalkboard. <laughs> Which, again, suits a gimmick, but much like Isaac Yankum's Drill song, it's not really a thing. <sighs> oh, Dean Douglas. See, now I said earlier on that I came around to kind of Jeff Jarrett's ability as a, as a wrestler, and I always thought he did, wasn't as good as he, uh, as, he thought he should have, as he thought he was, and wasn't as much of a main event as he thought he was. And I still have those opinions about Dean Douglas, or Shane Douglas, what you call him, because Dean Douglas likes to think of himself as a big deal. I know he was a main eventer in, in ECW for a while, a lot of people would say that's not a lot to be know, big like, on, like, unfortunately. I think, I think Shane Douglas is somebody who believes in his own hype a bit too much and is a bit overrated. Yeah. And he, be- he, belie- he believes in the smell of his own bullshit. Mm-hmm. And ironically, he had, su- he had such issues with the click around this time, despite the fact that he sees looking ECW, looking like Triple H looks at, basically like how Triple H would dress in 2000, basically. He is the prototype of how Triple H looked in the early McMahon Helmsley region. Yeah, basically leather and leather, denim. Leather, weird paddy cap thing that he would wear. Yeah. Which I always joked about with the leather and the cap. I say that Triple H used to sometimes dress like Bulk from Bulk and Skull. He did a bit, didn't he? But he made it look good. Which, by extension, does that mean that uh, Shane McMahon <coughs> is technically Skull? Yes. That's basically a... Yes. <laughs> that never, never just want somebody just to dub over like Shane Trouble to the ring with the Balkan Skull music dubbed over it. Yeah, I did a, I did a good a good post on Facebook a while back. I posted the little the little Hollywood skits from Mania 21. Oh yeah, I remember that. You know, uh, <laughs> Triple H being Braveheart. Oh, is it? And then uh, fucking Rip Flair like, I got you, champ! <laughs> Woo! You got uh, JBL and Johnson here doing a few good men. Yeah. I'm fucking... A, uh, Booker T and Eddie doing bolt fiction. Uh, Undertaker does Dirty Harry. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I really hope they do that more of that for uh, Mania next year. That's in Hollywood. Yeah, that'd I'm be trying cool. to think. Like you got to think of the amount of films that have come out since that they could parody. Like uh, weirdly, I want them to do some sort of weird Wolf of Wall Street parody somehow or something like that. I'd like to. I'd like to see them then. Like, oh fuck, <laughs> get Bray Wyatt to parody the Joker. That actually would be a good one. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Get get fucking uh it'll get fucking Braun Strowman to parody Aquaman or something. Get do get somebody I don't know, R Truth or that and step on to parody Life of Brian, R Truth comes in, he's not the Messiah, he's, he's a, a very, very naughty, naughty boy. boy. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So anywho, we get into this Dean Douglas and or do something with the twenty four seven title as a parody to like twenty to like forty eight hours or something like oh, that. Oh, totally. Anyway, uh, Dean Douglas versus uh, the bad guy. Razor Ramon. Oh, let's see. Well, most like noteworthy thing about Douglas's gear is a he has a big exclamation mark on the back of his. Yeah, singlet. yeah I, I've seen his singlet. Okay. He, he gives he gives a very typical like he's maybe a teacher promo. I think he actually was a teacher for a while. Yeah, and he says that he has a. He has a big test ahead. Does Razor money with? And if he is not prepared for, if he has not done his homework, he will surely fail. <laughs> Much like your gimmick failed, mate. Yes. And again. Like, oh, you were a teacher. Cool. You can be one of them. Again, the back and the ribs of Razor are a target. And again, 
for the third match in a row, working <laughs> over a fucking body part. And again, 14 bastard minutes. And, like, and 53 seconds. Mm-hmm. Nearly 15 minutes. Like, they say that the start begins on a... On the, after Razor's match with Sean Murray lost in the ladder match at SummerSlam, Yay. he... Uh, Douglas was basically trying to grade him on his performance and mm. Razor didn't take too kindly to it, so that led to a bit of a brawl. And then uh, Douglas was kind of beating down the 1 2 3 kid on an episode of Raw, and then uh, Razor came and made the save. And Razor starts out hot where he runs down to the ring, doesn't even do his whole sparkler thing where he does the pose. Because like, yeah. you see, they've got the wee thing that shoots the sparkler that prepared in the ring, then you see a wee like, crew member just come in and just. So they just move it out of the way as the match starts. Yeah, oh, he's not doing it. Oh, right, go. Quickly, quickly, get rid of it. Get it, get it away. So they're both like brawling around the Bob Backlund's just awkwardly sitting in the corner, not really doing anything. <laughs> what? Why are you even here? I know. Yeah, I got no place else to go. Also, we get another one of those half and halves where this time it's Mabel who Cornette's trying to convince. And you get a thing where he and Yoko are just staring each other down and. Uh, you know this is definitely a pre-tape, I think, maybe at one point, because it starts out, cuts back to this like, thing with Yoko and that, and Yoko and that are looking right down the camera, and then immediately, as soon as, it's like he realises that yeah. they've said action, and then he immediately just turns and starts staring intimidatingly at uh, Mabel. <laughs> Fucking, can you imagine a combined of like a thousand odd pounds that tag team would be? Yes. Pretty much. So yeah, it does start hot, he, he does my... Dean Douglas does nice out to Mark McCall's end like where it looks like he's about to dive off the ropes. So Douglas so Razor that ducks down to avoid it, but Douglas doesn't move, so he kinda he lured him in and he <laughs> gets a cheap shot on him. He sends him into the post at one point and again he just really the work in the back takes up a lot of this fucking match. Yeah. <laughs> like he's got the thing where he's pulling the arms back, he's got the knee in the back. Yeah. And again, See, when it's a match like this, you have to think how am I reviewing this and how can I quickly review what is essentially a very drawn out I mean, Douglas, is, Douglas is a technically saying I think he's maybe trying to use his wit against the bigger Razor Ramon. Yeah. That is maybe the story of it, but like, I'm just watching like, I've had, it's, it's, this for, it's the structure of the match it looks like a lot of the matches we've seen so far and I'm like, I really just don't fucking care. Because <laughs> I was looking forward to the last two matches. I just, at this point, I'm like, I just wanted this to be done so I can watch like Pierre Lafitte and then the main event, like, come on. And then at one point, the referee is trapped by Bob Backlund, Razor's hit the razor edge, and uh, one, two, three kid comes out and for some reason counts the three, for some reason, mm. and then uh, Ray pops, even though they know that's, 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 not, official. that's not official. Razor celebrates, turns around, and sees the kid with a weird karate kid style, like weird headband for some reason. Yeah. And so that's, that's what he did then. You know. <laughs> And uh, Razor just looks at him point out and just properly shoves him. He goes flying out. <laughs> and goes, Fuck off. Get it. Get away. <laughs> and then uh, he gets rolled up by Dean Douglas who grabs the tights. You only see that in the replay and his uh, hands is a shot and appalled. Shot and appalled. When he says, how dare you. And he rolls him up and gets how the win. How very dare you. And he gets the win on... Dean Douglas, like, Dean Douglas gets the win on Razor Ramon, and then after the match, he and uh, Razor didn't want to do again a shoving match, mm. and there's all these officials kind of getting in the way. Kinda, yeah. Gerald Briscoe's there to kind of separate the two of them. Like Dave or one of the head nurses there. One of them. One of them. One of them looked sacked for selling dodgy gear at the back of the car. They both did. <laughs> uh. So we have that ad I said to put in your house for, and then we have the. Uh, the interview that I mentioned earlier, the 
two dudes with attitude. Tina Pissa and Doc Hendricks. Who like you say are going to be the two chaps with the straps. Doc Hendricks has got a uh, make my the leather like cap that Sean would wear in the glasses, and he's average, he's like plugging out this <laughs> phone number you can phone to order them, and they have to make a note on uh, the network version comes up. Number no longer in use. Yeah, they do the same thing whenever they go to like the superstar line, and then they say that you also, if you call in, you get this free like tape, and someone throws it to him off screen, he grabs it, and he just turns to us and goes, "That was a good one." Like he was thanking the person who threw it at him, <laughs> and then goes right back into set hard style mode, and then he goes into the interview with Sean Diesel, and Diesel actually shows some personality, and they basically they're like, "Oh, we don't care." They don't. They don't tell you it's not available anywhere when you watch it on the cassette. Mm. No. They give so you, they give you false hope that you can still get that lovely hat. Yes, <laughs> yes. I want the hat. Basically, they don't care who the partner is. They just they promise at the end night again. Like I said, they'll be the two chaps with all the straps. <laughs> the two chaps with the straps. So, but again, you hear this weird music in the background during the interview. I'm like, what the hell is that? And then cuts to the ring. Jean Pierre Lafitte is already in the ring. Like the fucker does even. This is probably the biggest match you'll have in East Wear front. And he doesn't even get an entrance. I know. That really annoyed me. And then you get... <laughs> we get the recap of the feud. He stole glasses from a kid that ripped the glasses on the ringside. He stole his jacket. Yeah, he stole Brett's puffy coat. Mm-hmm. And then Brett's promo, by the way. He says that he's Captain Crooker, like, or whatever, and, and against Captain Crunch. And then he says, so, like, with such fire, goes, and I'm Captain Crunch. Yes. And he says he's going to beat the hell and he goes, he said he's a pirate, well, it's now time for him to walk the plank. Like, good God, you were more convincing when you were on The Simpsons. Yeah, you you, you watch Brett in this time period, you watch Brett in any time period and you go, for God's sake, just, do you know what, if you don't know how to talk, just I mean, don't. Anvil was a better promo than you and all he did was laugh. Yeah. Uh, do you know what would have really helped Brett? What? If he'd have still had a fucking manager that could have talked for him. I know, but I don't That's why Brock doesn't talk. <laughs> I know, but then again, I think having a manager is very much a heel thing to do. Mm. But, and what I, think, what I do think, well, credit to this, I think it's quite nice where instead of having him come out the curtain, but he actually is backstage and he walks up to behind the door of the actual house, uh, of in your house. Yeah. So, so he's coming out the front door, like, oh, look who's coming in here, our house, it's Brad Hart. And he comes out, like, oh, actually, from the angle, he's leaving my house, Vince. The <laughs> <laughs> Vince. Uh, Brett comes out and uh, Pierre Lafitte goes to the outside to get away from Brett as Brett goes in the ring but then Brett hits what I call a Sasha Banks dive because he does the dive and also nearly lands on his fucking head yeah. Brett dives to the outside on a Lafitte and I'll be honest with you this is, I'm tied between this and the main event for my favourite match on this show by the yeah. way because I've heard stories like I read in the uh, tight, first Titan book about year 95 that Brett, when he, when he had the, the match with Akushi a couple of months ago, and he had the this match, also he felt he should have been in the WWE title scene, and, but he's been putting these random feuds with these guys, yeah. and it was almost a case of, he went he, he was determined to go out on these In Your House shows, and have the best matches with these guys. Like he could on, have. Like, is it almost out of spite, like, alright, you're going to put me in the opening with Akushi, well, I'm going to make sure that's the best match in the card. You're going to oh. put me with Pierre Lafitte, I'm going to make it awesome. I'm going to make sure I steal the show with the guy who stole my jacket. Yeah. And even according to like, Pritchard, when uh, Brett was told about this, she'd like, so, like uh, Brett basically responded to us, so he stole my jacket? Yeah. Going to just buy another jacket? <laughs> I think you told me that before. Uh, and he's like, no, it means, and they keep trying to say, oh, it's got great value, like, oh, Brett's mother gave him that jacket. <laughs> 
which then get, uh, causes Gerald Hart to then do his typical like slagging off uh, uh, Kevin Hart for how old they are now. Oh, that old Jerry Lawler. <laughs> oh, what do you like? Uh, what do you like slagging off his more? And it's pretty good. It's a really good start this match where like, he's he's sent he's bringing Lafitte down to the mat. He's working over him like technically he's going after the limbs that Pierre Lafitte does do some great like dives off the top. Despite and it's until he's a a big guy, yeah, and he uses kind of his strength to his advantage. Where there was a slow period for like a couple of minutes where he took a move on Brett and then just immediately turned the crowd and just taunt, mm. which felt like they were kind of stretching them out for time for whatever reason. And but he does do like he does a leg drop off the top, which is cool. Doesn't get the win. He goes for the sent on Brett moves out the way and then. Brett's on the outside, he goes for the centre one, and Brett moves out the way. Mm. So even though he's got the mat there, the mat doesn't look that thick, and there's concrete underneath it, so he just lands splat on the... Yeah, like, <laughs> which is very similar to the kind of bumps he would take as PCO, because the yeah. whole thing about being PCO is, he said in the interview I, I, I did with him that he's always had kind of a high tolerance for pain, and that's the whole part of his thing where he's maybe this like Frankenstein character, where basically like he takes his sick bumps, but he gets right back up again. Like, he's been powerbombed to the outside, he takes... Like bumps off the apron yeah. quite a lot. He, he's still doing moonsaults at like over <laughs> fifty years old. He never knock a guy that can still do it, man. Mm-hmm. Like he does talk about kind of. I did ask him about this this feud, and he he was like he was very happy to be in a position like this. Uh, did thing. did he have a similar opinion to the whole carry on about? So he stole my jacket. I don't think he really talked about it that much. Yeah, I think he may have just in passing just mentioned that it was a bit silly. Like I I joked yeah. it was about a jacket, and he laughed. And he uh, he talks about how, given that Brett's position in the company, and he was one of like the top guys of that era, and he's already a champion. So like, yeah. he said it was like a big deal for him to to be put on pay per view against Brett to basically be a pirate version of the Repo Man. Mm-hmm. And I joked to him because he has that eye patch. He wears an eye patch. So it was like really he's impaired. Like <laughs> he's only got one. He's only got one good eye. He focuses on his opponent, and he, he still wore that when he was in the brawl for all. And I joked to him like. Oh, well, it was unfair. You were at a disadvantage. You only had one good eye. <laughs> what did he say? Well, he just he just laughed. <laughs> and uh, uh, also, we have like so now because he was in the co-workers with uh, Jacques Brujo. Uh, he, he used to talk about how uh, he and uh, Jacques used to play uh, tennis. Yeah. Like every now and then in their free time, and they were very competitive with each other. And he even talks about how uh, Jacques injured his like, shoulder one time during a game because he was he dove out to avoid losing match point yeah. like, he was that competitive like, he, was able, <laughs> he injured himself just to not lose the point yeah. and I, I laughed at that and uh, you know he got into quite a bit of trouble with the click around this time did uh, Luffy and yeah. that's part of the reason why he, he left shortly after Jeez. this and in later interviews he would be quite critical of the click but I think he's kind of mellowed on it now yeah. and he said uh, he, I had trouble with the click but it seems like it doesn't bother him as much now but I think part of the reason is they had the issues because Jacques got in his head because Jacques wasn't with the company but Jacques was promoting events in Montreal and they had a house show in Montreal where the main event was Pierre Levitt v Diesel for the title mm-hmm. and uh, Pierre was going to be in the main event of a show in a month or so later on that Jacques Joe was promoting mm-hmm. and uh, Jacques Joe thought got in basically Pierre's head and said that Basically, him losing clean to Diesel in Montreal would affect his reception when he came back in a month's sort of time to Fred's show. Yeah. Which kind of is bullshit, I think. Yeah, a little bit. So then Pierre tried to go into events and that and try to make get some changes to like the finish. 
I think it ended some weird double count, double DQ finish. And apparently Diesel, but more so Sean, was annoyed about this. Mm. The idea of like, I don't know if they knew about the whole thing about Jack coming to him, but like, the idea of like, who the hell is this guy? He's suddenly say like, he's getting a, he's getting put in the main event to chat. Who the hell are you to decide like, you're not losing like, clean. Like clean. But I think I heard from that, from what I heard about that event, Pierre still got booed when he went against Diesel because even though it's his hometown, he was the heel. Yeah. Regardless of the fact that the clique had collectively awful attitudes at the time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like there are quite a few people like we mentioned on the show, like Douglas and uh, Douglas and uh, Pierre, that really did not like the clique, and Bob Polly especially is someone who's been very outspoken, even to this day, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, but anywho, mm-hmm. I just thought I just thought it was an interesting story. Yeah, definitely. But I really enjoyed the match, like, again, some of the high spots, Brett going through his usual repertoire, like the side-rushing leg sweep and shit like that. Uh, he did his usual, like, getting <laughs> sent into the, uh, what? It's like a bottom episode, but you like some magazines to read while he goes through his repertoire of wrestling moves. <laughs> yeah, he takes that really hard bump where he goes chest first right into the turnbuckle. Which... I always hate seeing him take that one. Yeah, I know. Uh... But I really liked yeah, like he did a weird I thought he was gonna go for a Death Valley driver at one point, but he just did like kind of the roll through, kinda of like uh, what Kennedy used to do. <sighs> and uh, then he went for another dive again, he missed and there's a cool spot where they both kinda of go down, so they're both lying there, mm. and then from the mat, Brett locks around the legs, gets oh. up and manages to lock in the sharpshooter. Yeah. Which I really liked with I think they're putting all that Brett is the master he, of this movie. He was he always really great at that move, like he yeah. could hit you that sharpshooter, like, at least he could be lying there and then one like you're in the fucking move. Yeah, I think uh, they would. They would. I think they did that quite a few times. That mm. move. Uh, so he locks in the sharpshooter, and also Pierre like taps. taps. Well, he didn't really tap. It looks like he was kind of shaking his like I give up. So yeah. More of a verbal submission than anything else. So, but Brett does get the one with That's the sharpshooter. That's thing you don't see a lot nowadays. Mm-hmm. Well, verbal submission. I think because that was the way. Like all people credit like Taz and so that for bring or Ken Shamrock for bringing like, the tap outs in. Whereas before that, mm. it was always like you gave a verbal submission. Like even in '97 when uh, Sting beats Hogan with the Death Scorpion Deathlock, Hogan doesn't like tap. He's like, "No, like I give up." Mm. Like the verbal submission. Uh, I know we talk about how much you don't like Bret Hart. Fucking Jerry Lawler goes full on anti Bret Hart. He doesn't even like make come up with any jokes about him. He just calls him a cunt. Just, just outlays and says, that, that Bret Hart." Ooh. Oh, like me, you mean? I basically. <laughs> and it, it, like, oh, I, I hate him. Like, just give me a reason. Come on, try and say something smart to me, Brett. He's giving him a reason to go and get up. Like, oh, I'll, I'll get there and start now. Just give me a fucking... Why reason, you cunt? Come mm-hmm. ahead. Uh, and we go backstage at this and we find out the uh, Cornette has chosen the Bulldog Ooh. to fill in for Owen, which kind of... surprise. Which makes sense because uh, he is uh, Owen's brother-in-law. And yeah. That. So it's a... And it seems like they were basically, let's spell it out for our fans, because our fans aren't quite bright, but like, because <laughs> the, the interaction between Cornet and uh, Monson, like, so you're telling me the Bulldog, is for that, for the night only, is sanctioned as one half of the WF Tag Team Champion. That's what I'm saying. And also, if he pins Bulldog, like, if he pins Diesel or Shawn Michaels, he'll be the WAF or Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, like, basically, like, how they spell it, they're all like, yes, basically, it's the same rules, it's just Bulldog instead of Owen. Like, and they still haven't even said specifically where Owen even is. Yeah. Which is weird. So, it's Bulldog and Yoko. Yoko. You know, before this, we randomly get former WF Women's Champion Alondra Blaze comes out 
basically to model a t-shirt oh, for the show. Great. And then like Vince's mic goes like so you can actually hear it in the arena. Like I thought for a second it was a botch, but like who's in who's coming in your house now? And out from the house comes Alundra Blaze to model like the shirt. And like I think she'd recently lost the shirt. I can't remember who too. Yeah, it's one of the one of the Japanese women wrestlers they were bringing at the time. I think she was maybe win it back then. Like, Bull Nakano. I, I think she actually does win it back because she's got the belt when she leaves because she she leaves not too long after this. Yeah, I think it may even be November, maybe early December, ninety five. She goes back. So, and by the way, this is the most you'll see of Andrew Blaze on in your house. She doesn't have a match on any of your houses. Nope. So uh, you know, quality of women's wrestling nineteen ninety five. Especially in the US, weird poofy wee kind of aft pink belt she had. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was like 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 child's toy. Like I know, like there was a thing. Like it happens. They're doing it still in the AW. The women's belt being quite small because I think that's how it was done. Man, they did like the idea of like men's belt, big thing, like like Indigo, massive title, or we women's belt, tiny little thing. Yeah, have your tiny little belt. Yeah, it's like that's, big, barely, that's barely featured for more than a few minutes. Big manly winged eagle. Strap, or then, or then, Eagle, the, tiny and then you get the big red round one with the blue in it and the attitude era. Still yeah. tiny little oval belt. Yes. Or if people refer to the attitude era one that like you'll have like the egg shaped or something <laughs> belt, or they, someone's called it. But then she, then she goes back through the wee door as Yoko's coming through, and Jay Law jokes, "You have to bring Yoko through the garage door." <laughs> and she comes out. Bulldog comes out. And uh, they react. Bret Hart. I mean, myself. Up until that point, Bret got like the biggest reaction. reaction. And then Sean gets a very similar, really loud reaction when his music hits. Yeah. He always did really. Like, the minute you heard that yeah. initial riff, and you hear the, the screeching from a lot of the female fans at the time. Yeah. And uh, he does his pose, and the fireworks are still going off as Diesel's music starts because of the fireworks are for Sean Dinger still hurting. You don't initially hear his music. Yeah. As, the, as the camera slowly moves to the entrance as Diesel's coming out. Yeah. So. You uh, can't expect Diesel to come out and actually get a good pop when the better wrestler's coming out. Yeah. Uh, I think that's I think part of the reason they decided to put him and Sean together in the first place. But give Diesel a bit of a rub. Aye, because like, Sean's so popular. Because like, Sean was meant to stay heel throughout like, most much of this year. But like, the thing we said, as I said, turning heel was because they decided we need to turn Sean face. He's, because he's too over. Vince uh, going, he's too good. He's uh, too good. <laughs> People have to cheer. People have to know. And to be honest with you, this, the opening exchange between Sean and Bulldog is actually pretty good. It's yeah. fast paced. Well, they two were always, you know. Yeah, they worked with together. Like, you know, controversy surrounding like, the finish to end your to one night only aside. They were yeah. good together. Uh, Yoko gets tagged in and Sean does the whole like simulator there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Yoko looks at him and they say, like, what the fuck are you. Are doing? you taking the piss? Aye. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, more so in this match than any we've seen so far. Yoko does look like he'd rather be anywhere fucking else, by the way. Like, but like, in, in a ring with some competent wrestlers. But like, he's looking like, so because of his weight, he's looking sort of like, mm. I can't be fucked, man. Aye. And, like, See, he was like, I'm sorry to cut in, but he was so like that in his later WWF career because, like, I think he had like two or three opportunities to over the course weight. of that to lose weight. They, say, they even said to him, look, I think like Vince and some of the higher ups said to him at one point, if you can get control of your weight, you could be back in contention again. Could we could we said in that review that we must not talk about like well not we must not name because we're talking about it now, but like yeah yeah like in that at that point there was a point where he got fired mainly because 
he was trying, he was trying to lose weight, and he did lose a little, but not enough. Mm. He was getting to a stage where certain states could not legally allow him allow to me wrestle. So that is that should be like you know, so they're playing warning signs before that, but that yeah. should be the final like wake up call, Wait, like no. telling you to lose weight. Vince, like I say, even said to him, if you could get your weight back to where it had been when you first got here, you could be back in contention. Like there's, I know, like they could have, they were leaving willing to put him back into the main event picture if he'd have got control of his weight. Do you think there's a chance if he was around the attitude and he got down to maybe four hundred pounds, he could have taken the role of Rikishi that Rikishi played? Very possibly. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, they were, they were, I like, did it for the rock. Well, they, they were. <laughs> they are really. I think they are brothers. I think. Well, or cousins. Cousins of some kind. Well, he's annoying and all. Aye, they're both of the same family. I can never know what what their exact relation is. Aye, but well, some somehow related because he he was Rod, his real name Rodney Annoy. Mm. Yeah. I know. I. There is, I think, I a story in and one of the way of confidential like videos where Rikishi's talking about Yoko. And he does say that Yoko gave him like this big check, like so they so like Rikishi and his wife when they had their like, their first when they first had their kids yeah. could afford like a better house because the house they were originally living was shit, <laughs> and also Yoko being afforded to him was making good money. Yeah, so he's like just brought him a check to get a new house. Could be misremember, but the exact it seemed like the exact details that I remember. It was it was, it was very fond of trap shooting. <laughs> I knew that's a bit of random info I knew about Yoko. He's also part of uh, he also loved Domino's because. He was part of that Bone Street crew, along with the Godfather, the God Ones, and uh, the Undertaker. Undertaker. And Paul Bailey all played dominoes on their yeah. two bus. And Savio. Yeah. I know you mentioned him. I know. Don't forget him. Like, they shoot, they, Yoko does these, like, small pose, and the camera's right behind him. He's fucking arse. It's even too big for the full screen. You can't even see his full arse. You see that big crevasse. Uh, <laughs> fucking, there's a full moon tonight. Jesus Christ. I'm going, oh, no. You can barely just see just slightly underneath his legs. You can just barely see Shawn Michaels. But you mean between you mean you can, between his calves? No, not between his. You couldn't see between his fucking. No, you could see between his thighs. That yeah. was it. You couldn't see between the thighs. And he runs that they run each other, and Shawn just slides between his legs. Uh, he runs on. And then uh, he tags in Diesel. Diesel moves, like I said, before he's properly fucked his squads. Like, yeah, he's performing right. a diving clothesline on a... Uh, Yoko. Yoko. Sending on the outside. And then there's a very awkward exchange where, very slowly, Mr. Fuji goes around to the side to distract Sean. And then when uh, Re- Diesel's reaching for Yoko, but at first he can't really get him. So he grabs onto the hair. He tries to get him back in the ring. But then Yoko's grabbing his legs, so that allows Bill to get a cheap shot. Yeah. And then they try to work over Diesel. But... Uh, there's a point, really cool point. Uh, I think they they don't probably like, they do the similar spot like uh, Eddie Guerrero doing off Big Show shows, but they had uh, Sean diving off the shoulders of uh, Diesel, Diesel on yeah. a splash on Bolo. But then Sean ends up being because he's a smaller guy gets isolated, and I think it's maybe didn't the idea of is Sean the weak link? Like you said, team. yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, even though like I have the rather own it's here, Bolo is still very competent as a wrestler. So you've got the two really good like workers. And the two big guys. Yeah. So it's a really good dynamic. You still have that same dynamic you would have had if you had Owen here. Oh, you've got the, you've got the two wrestlers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got the two beasties. And and Sean does play like, a good like in peril face. Like, oh, he does. Like because you've got like Bulldog getting cheap shots in when he's not legal, and then behind the ref is have to pretend they've tagged them, but they actually have in the commentator. Like, I, I like, used to love that whole like, heel like, stick. Uh, well, I did not see a tag there. <laughs> did you ever see that one? And all they would. <laughs> They would do that 
tag, you know, just when the ref's back was still one of them would come in and then once all the man came in, one of them would go I, I, I think there were times I don't even think they seen them do the like the noise even the referee just turned around seen another one and just accepted and just assumed they tied I think uh, I used to hate that like, like come on you never saw it like Yoko I think he, there was an element of laziness in Yoko's part when he wouldn't lose weight I think there was maybe a chance Yoko was meant to do it but then he could, like that kind of was fucked yeah just making the noise but Sean does build to a very good like hot tie to Diesel he comes yeah, in yeah he was always great at uh, that yeah there was a point where there was a bit of confusion where uh, Yoko does get a not the Chris this looking like uh, Simone drop on yeah. a uh, on a Diesel and Bulldog was already down so Bulldog goes to crawl in the cover Sean's Sean's already out so you don't really know where Sean is and Sean just dies out of frame hitting an elbow drop to the back of Bulldog yeah just quite cool to break up the pin and it's all total chaos and then suddenly from right, the screen you can see somebody running down the ramp and, and it's Owen and full gear and somebody like Chuckle it was a ruse <laughs> say it ain't so the bad guy's fibbed <laughs> I know uh, but it doesn't help because he goes right up to the top and they're going oh my god it's Owen her Owen dies off the top but from, but from Diesel lifts him up jackknife yeah. one two three <laughs> <laughs> he comes in to get pinned I know <laughs> poor boy um, he's backstage all night and he's full gear comes in one powerbomb done Oh, this is my moment to shine. And he's maybe the fresher guy, and yet it's immediately just, well, oh, fuck you. <laughs> and I just love, like, both, I love both Jerry Lawler's reaction, like, wait, no, no. And then Sean just celebrating, just jumping on, like, yes. Yeah. Something that I do think is weird, though, is the celebration is Sean's got his IC belt, uh, and Diesel's got the world belt, but they've only got one tie belt. Yeah, that is strange. Like, there's a point where they're both holding the tie belt, holding up together. Well, it's kind of lopsided because Diesel's arm is stretched so much higher than Sean's because he's so tall. I can't have an opinion on that one, though. And then there's a shot where Sean's doing his wee, like, pose. Yeah. And, and Diesel's lifting up both one of the tag belts and the world belt, but Sean's got no tag belt of his own. I think that's a lot to do with that. Like, you know how they were, like, the two chaps with the straps? Yeah. They didn't need to, to hold both the tag belts in that moment to show they were the champs. They were just like, do you know what? We've got... This belt, mm-hmm. we've got this belt, uh-huh. and we got this belt. Yeah. Fuck you. Because <laughs> it seems weird. There were points where they're implying that if it was just whoever got pinned lost their belt and not the other guy. So yeah. it just seemed like because Diesel got the pinned, suddenly like they're just, it seemed like they're implying no, Diesel's just a tag champ on his own, but Sean's still the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah. It just seems kind of weird. You've done your part, wee man. Aye. Good for you. You Good get to keep you. your little belt. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, on the, that's, how, that's how the IC belt is seen nowadays. Yeah. In my opinion. Like, I might briefly talk, it's weird off track thing about the IC belt. I remember when it came in, it was on Shinsuke, like the new design. I thought, I'll give it some time, it could grow on me, right? But then Shinsuke was barely on TV with the belt, and then Braun got it, like, it doesn't look right on Braun. Maybe it's just because of the size of it and that. And then Sami Zayn won it in that handicap match, and then I looked at it on him, like, no, it's nothing to do with the guy holding it. It's just the design. The design is pish. I must say, though, I'm pretty stoked that Sami Zayn's finally got a belt on him. A lot of people like are. Some of you think, like, since the last week was NXT champion, I think it's over a thousand some days. Aye, since but finally, he's not just a mouthpiece. He's Aye. got a belt. Because like the whole thing was, all people were annoyed that he wouldn't be allowed to wrestle. But I think like I was okay with it because one, he's a good like manager, and two, I think if they're concerned <laughs> about him getting injured again, then fair enough. But then. 
Like, some people, somebody put the theory that actually I'd be okay with. Like, Sammy wins the title, and then for the next three weeks, he has Cesaro and Shinsuke helping keep Braun at bay. Yeah. Then it's just those two at Mania, and basically you have a China Ivory situation where in a couple of minutes, just Braun gets him on his own, just murders him. Yeah. Doesn't even have to do anything, it's just power slam. Then another one, then another one. Yeah. Just murdering. But so we get this match, and it's a nice, like you say, a nice Sean and Diesel celebrating winning the match. Yeah. And of course, we know what subsequently happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's unsurprising. They don't hold on to all the belts for long because the next night, because... They, they pinned a man who was not officially in the match. Yeah, because uh, Bulldog was sanctioned as one half of the tag champs, and while technically Owen is also a tag champ... He, he was, was not up, sanctioned. Aye, it was, the match was then sanctioned to now be Bulldog and Yoko, and because Owen was not in the match, they said, you, you pinned the other man, so they were stripped of the tag team titles. Yep. So the next night on Raw, they had the Yoko and Owen against the Smoking Guns. And thanks, and thanks to uh, some miscommunication amongst the heels, the Smoking Guns won their first of, I believe, three WF tag team That's titles. That's very true. And we also had uh, three dark matches at the end of this. Mm-hmm. We had Goldust versus defeating Bob Holly. Mm-hmm. We had Ahmed Johnston defeating Skip with Sonny. Uh-huh. And we had The Undertaker with Paul Bearer defeating King Mabel with Sir Moe. Again, what is the thing with having Undertaker just in the dark matches of these things? I, re- I really can't explain it. I mean, maybe the, the best explanation I can come up with is maybe they don't deem in your house important enough to have a, a, someone of Undertaker's calibre on it, but then why would you have fucking Diesel and Sean on it? I know. You I, know? Mean, I think the whole thing with the Triple Threat is you, can't, you couldn't have expected it to last that long. I think the idea of all the belts is they realise like, these B these reviews aren't really drawn too well. Let's, no. Let's try it. Let's see if we can pop our eating with all the belts in line to try and be to build this whole tagline. But you but see, at the time that this went on, if you'd have had Goldust or The Undertaker on the main show, mm-hmm. you yeah. notice how I'm avoiding mentioning Mr. Ahmed, mm-hmm. but if you'd have had Goldust or Undertaker on the show proper, mm-hmm. it would have been probably better. Yeah, and uh, I think it was a big thing, but you can see what I mentioned about the ratings, the, the pay-per-view buys. The business-wise, it didn't make any improvement from the last in your house, so... Overall, even though it was a good match, it, and given the, the fact that the buy rate wasn't improved, and the fact that there were less people in the building, and the tag titles were vacated immediately the next night, yeah. overall, it's really pointless at the end of the day. Would you like a little rundown of the other on-screen personnel in your house? You're just reading off the Wikipedia page. I point, am, I am. We're all Wikipedia's you've referred to as the... I have, but would you like to know? On you go. Well, the referees involved in this were Mike Kyoda, mm-hmm. Danny Davis, Jack Doan... Tim White. Love Tim White. I was going to say, Mick Kyoto with his fresh face and his little mullet that he had. But Tim White, Mm -hmm. he was best. Errol and Dave. Mm -hmm. And Dave. So, the merchandise hawkers, (laughs) Tim White, who is, in my opinion, one of the best referees they had. Mm -hmm. I love Tim White. Mm -hmm. Knew how to take a bump that beard to get. Unfortunately, that was his undoing at the end. That was true. I don't recall what match it was he took the bump, but unfortunately it ended him. I think it was uh, Jericho Triple H Judgment Day 2002 in the Hell in a Cell. Was that one? Because in the next Hell in a Cell, which has the next year against Nash, uh, given the fact that one Triple H in the months before that had been quite cruelty referees, and in the last time he was in Hell in a Cell, Tim White got injured, the whole storyline was none of the referees wanted to officiate the match, which meant they had to bring in Mick Foley as a special guest referee. Yeah. Oh, and who was the ring announcer? Good old uh, Howard Good old Howard Finkel. Mm-hmm. Lee Best and only goddamn ring announcer. There is no one 
the the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. I think when I hear the term the World Wrestling Federation, I think of the voice of the thing, the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion. No, the winner of the match and new Intercontinental Champion. Also, I think also, also the thing they play at the start, which happens in a lot of these old periods, which. I don't know why I love it so much. The opening, the, the World Wrestling Federation for 50 years. years. World Wild Leader in Sports Entertainment. Or like, I also love weirdly the one, the Diet of Jeff. What the world is watching. Not in 95 they fucking want. Yeah. Or 96. Or 97. <laughs> yeah. But also the, the attitude one. Yeah. The, get it. <laughs> oh yeah the, the Super Bowl yeah oh there's a video Johnny Gargano and his wife going around the uh, WF headquarters and uh, they're getting a tour and you see him walking around the lobby and he was doing the Undertaker's about that thing the yeah. wholesome family, family. entertainment it's kind of between him doing it and the Undertaker like you yeah. see from like, Johnny's visit like he's just um, like ever, like um, that massive fan like he's in the wee gym bit and he's doing all the I hate Austin I hate, I hate Austin and, and kind of, so he's like who, who's Austin? I hate him. Who, who are you talking about? I just hate him. <laughs> so, how would you? We, I suppose we could we could just think of like a five and the best could be a five star rating for our subsequent in your houses. What what rating would you give this one? No, I liked Jean Pierre Lafitte. Yeah, and the match, and I liked the main event. Yeah, the result and overall didn't mean anything in the long term. And apart from the the opener was a good was good enough. Like yeah. no, it wasn't a hot opener like the Hakushi Brett match. Yeah, like, you did say well apart from the the continuous repetitive spots. Yeah, the repetitiveness of the middle portion and also the fact that they didn't feel like they gave a lot of stuff time to breathe. Like the storyline yeah. of choosing one's partner, interrupting matches. So would you say maybe like a Two and a half, three star in the rating. I'd even say two and a half, maybe even two and a quarter, maybe. Two and a quarter, maybe. And that is mainly because um, that is, I'll maybe say two and a half because of the strength of the, the matches that I did like. Yeah, yeah. Because not just a one match show. The last yes. two matches are great, and the first match, for what it was, was, was decent. Great. It was decent enough. That's pretty, that's pretty uh, telling for the WWF at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, considering that you're, you're too. I suppose your two main event matches plus your opener are great matches and the rest is just fucking filler. That is pretty much telling it. But you know? the one good thing I can say about it above the first two Henry Hurts we've done is that those two were clearly one match shows and this at least has one or two matches that are yeah, not, yeah. not just one. And I really felt like that's what we were going to get, that we were going to just get another one match show. Yeah, and we didn't get that. It was a slight improvement, not a big improvement, but a slight one, I think. So, as, as, well, there you go, as we're going on within your house, (laughs) it's getting slightly better. I think once they finally stop giving them, like, numbers, but it's properly in your house, this, like, like, post WrestleMania 12, I think, is going to be where it really kicks off. Wasn't the. What was the first in your house we gave a specific title to? Well, I think well, they, get, they are given these names, but they're also also referring to them as in your house number. Yeah. I think when they finally like stop doing numbers and just give them titles, I think it starts with After Mania with the Good Friends, Better Enemies. Good Friends, Better So that was in your house seven? Six or seven, yeah. That like was seven. 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 I think that is where things are going to really go because then you're going to have that one with the, the international incident with the big six man. Mm. Then you're going to have uh, mind games and then buried alive. Ground zero. Yeah, and then get into '97. You're going to have like hell, bad, 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 b
it's a rough go. I think it's more a statement on ninety five than yeah. the new house. Well, it's, it's more feeling out, you know, more like they've, they've introduced a sort of sub sub event. Yeah, and when in oh, I think ninety six, it's not entirely because of this, but I think once Sean is in the main event, yeah, instead of Diesel, Sean is much better in that position. Yeah, he elevates it to a new level. Well, something I'm really looking forward to is when we get to uh, Beware of Dog. With the whole like thing where they had to yeah 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 and, and the whole the false finish and the whole bulldog one no Sean one yeah also the uh, the thing with uh, Sean and that there is some controversy like surrounding Sean and the next one in your house which I'm really looking forward to surrounding the Intercontinental Championship yeah is that the whole him getting uh, we'll talk about it more yeah 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Somebody pointed this out in a video I was watching, I think it was about the, the Hogan Sean feed, and he was talking about an example of Sean's un- previous unprofessionalism. Yeah. And he said between 92 and 98, Sean had 10 different title reigns between the IC heavyweight tag team and European titles. Yeah. Six out of those 10, all, he lost the title via vacancy. So, like, his first IC title reign, he, uh, he drops that cleanly to Marty, then wins it back. Yeah. Second IC title reign, he vacates because he's been found as having steroids. And uh, that leads to the Razor Ramon vacancy kind of thing. Yeah. And the two IC belts. Really, and Keith had said, oh, Sean's refusing to defend the belt, so it's been taken off. Him. Yeah, I remember that story. 94, he and Diesel win the tag belts. They get stripped because basically they won't put anybody over yeah. to lose them. He uh, wins the IC belt off of uh, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's going to be the controversy where he vacates it next month that we'll talk about. Yeah. These tag belts he just vacated. So out of the ones I just talked about, he's only he only cleanly lost one title so far here. Uh, the WF title he would win at Mania Twelve. He dropped that cleanly. He said, second title reign, he lost his smile. Yes, he vacated that one. Uh, and then there's always he won the tag titles one more time with Austin. Then would vacate them, and then yeah. Austin had to find a new partner and did love. The European title, he lost in a match one <laughs> quote to Triple H, yeah. and then he lost cleanly to Austin Aristo. So. Three clean, three clean losses, I think. Out of ten title reigns. Out of ten times, three clean losses, one joke match with Triple H and six vacancies. But also, there is always that ever-present rumour that if Sean had been fit for Mania 14... You wouldn't have... Would he have dropped it? There is would, he, would he have gotten Vince's ear again? <laughs> Which, when you really think about it, you think, like, Jesus Christ, Sean. <laughs> what a ditty. I know. But, but I still loved him. But I think it'll make a great like part of the podcast, maybe the discussion about it. Definitely. We won't talk about why he gave up the belt next month and a subsequent fallout of that. Yeah. But this is this has been a, a pretty so far a pretty solid review, yeah, I would say. I went on a bit, but like it was a good one overall. I say, would you agree with the rating I gave it the two and a half, maybe two and a quarter? I'd, I'd or probably two. stick a solid two and a half on it, you know. Uh-huh. Because like you say, I'd i I'm I much agree with you in the fact I don't like the constant repetitive spots and repetitive like it's a lot like like we'll do these matches, but we'll pretty much stick to the same formula, <laughs> you know. But then, like you say, you've got your bulldog. You've got your. I like the bulldog Bam Bam because that's a pretty solid mid nineties mm-hmm. big bastard match, you know. <laughs> I could not give two fucks about Dean Douglas versus Ramon. Mm-hmm. If I'm honest, I mean, I'm probably going to get that for this one, but I never really liked Razor Ramon. I I think he's okay for the time. I just. I think he's more fondly remembered as NWO, like proper, like Scott Hall. Yeah, yeah, Scott Hall, NWO, fine. But you know what? You were never even in a fucking Royal Rumble, man. 
I know, that's weird. You were there from 93, no, 92, mm-hmm. until 96. Well, sorry, he came in late 92, so he couldn't have been in that rumble, but I get what you're saying. He was there a good four or five years nearly, and he was not in one rumble. I think the fact that he wasn't in the 93 or one said in the title match, even though he'd only debuted a few months earlier, that was very telling of that period of time, and the fact that yeah. how few actual proper main event challengers they had yeah. at that time. But... I mean, like you say, the Bret Hart match and the two dudes with attitude match, they were I'm really, layer what layer what made the pay per view. I'm I'm really happy that that match was as good as it was. I mean, Bret, for what you think of him, like technically he is sound and he oh. had he felt I think if he felt he had something to prove by fighting mm. and defeating and like Sakushi, he that was going to be a good match. Well, I think I've always said, like whilst I might have an issue with Bret as a person. I've always had 100% respect for him as a wrestler. But I was really glad that the, the tag match delivered because like, even though they didn't, there was no point in the match where they were ever seen like there was tension between Sean and, and Diesel, Yeah, I was glad that given the fact that it was so heavily promoted, the big triple threat and the whole looking for a partner for Owen, Yeah, uh, even though Owen came out and he went up <laughs> It's just so funny to me. Yeah, yeah. But I'm glad that it paid off and it was actually a good match because usually there's a match in the main event of this Especially in the nineties and WF, and even WCW takes it where they hype up throughout the night, throughout the night, and tease something happened that never happened. Yeah, and then you look at the match over and like, well, a whole other build up with no with no delivery. Right. and like you think that's the main event, and then it's, it just leaves you feeling flat about the show overall. Yeah, when there's probably much better matches in the undercard. But I think we're that was leave. that was quite that was quite prevalent in the mid nineties. It pretty much was. Uh, we're gonna leave it there. We're now. I said on Facebook, I said we originally these were going to be monthly. I'm just saying now we're going to do them as often as we can because I don't want to set to. Well, I have four. You know, you've got four and it's only, we don't know when we're going to be able to hide, but we're just going to work out a day at some point to do four. Maybe that'll probably happen not until after WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Not uh, not until after Drew wins that damn bill. Next uh, week, we're going to do a double feature and my plan is for now... You, to do you have a plan my plan is to, <laughs> to do basically not a prediction basically almost a preview of what's already been announced or what is basically we know it's going to happen but it hasn't officially been announced yeah and maybe add in trying to guess what one or two more matches they could add to the mania card is but by the time we get to next week's episode they could have postponed or cancelled the fucking thing because there's bloody virus yeah so hopefully that is not the case we'll end up having to do a retrospective on the fucking coronavirus I'd rather not <laughs> I'd really rather not <laughs> I do jest, I do jest. Well, uh, well, Mania or not, I mean, we can talk about our disdain if about Mania being postponed, if that is the case. Well, if Mania is, we have got one weekend review, mm. my newest edition. Oh, yeah. We are. We do have something very special planned. Like, I mean, a few years ago, uh, we did, in, in, in honour of Mania, we did Mania 17 and 18 in reviews. And now recently, Paul has gotten WrestleMania 19. And we've wanted to review that for a while. We have we indeed. Were, we were going to do it last year, but we don't want to make any ordinary review. Oh no! Something very special we've got planned, which I'm not going to tell no, you. No, we will. We will keep that on the back burner. That hush, hush. Because uh, we've got a few weeks till Mania, so there's a chance you could hear that review very, very soon. Never play your hand. No. <laughs> so, well, until next week, we'll we'll at least have Frasier to come for us, even if WrestleMania is postponed. Yeah, you say that like it's the secondary thing. Well, at least to Frasier. Yeah, no, but I'm trying to like I'm saying if there's disappointment in that, is it? Yeah, that'll always yeah. be there to lift our spirits. Oh yes. So, as, as you said at the start, the glo- the glory that is 
the gram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to keep up with all our Frasier reviews and we're in your gaff series and anything else we're doing in Leo's Domania, remember to follow us on Twitter at SP Rambling. You can follow me at ScottMcLeod1986. You like our Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash Rambling Podcast. I'm trying to post on there more often. Uh, all the links to the Android Pocket sites were available and are on those social media platforms. Uh, try to make sure you to rate and subscribe to us on whatever your preferred platform is because we're probably on it, like Podbean, Spotify, Spotify. Google Podcasts, iTunes. Leave a rating, tell a friend if you think they'd enjoy our ramblings about late 90s wrestling or Frasier or God knows what else. If you, especially like, uh, like we we run down our, our platforms we are all on, but specifically there's some, like you say, you can talk to Scott <laughs> on the Twitter. Yeah. You talk to me on the Facebook and, you know, every every show we have subsequently done is on Spotify. Yeah. If you're interested in this episode, you can go back and listen to our other episodes. Yeah, I have. Do you think <laughs> Do you think Owen should be in the Hall of Fame? Let us know on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, or, other, or any other weird opinions you got on wrestling or Frasier. I, I, gen, I genuinely believe, and I don't, I don't want to be putting thoughts or words into people, mm-hmm. you know, but I genuinely believe if you are a, a fan of wrestling... Mm-hmm. You'd want Owen in that Hall of Fame. Of course. You would, because he... No matter what area you're born, if you've seen any of Owen... Yeah, he deserves it. Mm-hmm. He, he definitely deserves it, so, you know, shout out to Owen. Mm-hmm. Rest easy, man. I was going to say, that was going to be... I was afraid of just saying off, and I realised we haven't even thought of an outro for this. And I'm trying to think, who on this Indian house have we not used yet? Who have we not used? Who have we not used that has a good theme song that we can use? Have we Have we used Owen? I think we did. We did use him. I think Owen. we used him for the first one because he was ah. in the tent. I think then Sh- uh, Sean was used at the end because we, or it's not, it was in With My Baby Tonight, I think was used at the end. Yeah, yeah. We could use Sean's theme song. Uh, is that too obvious? I was going to say either Sean or Bulldog. Because Bulldog. Do you know, I'd say Bulldog because, I mean, he has just been. Yeah. Put into a Hall of, the, Hall I, of Fame. I remember watch, watching his entrance for the show and like, Jesus, I didn't know Bulldog came out to the Corkmaster theme song. Yeah. <laughs> Although, don't use his, his final theme no, song. No, no, I, w- I, <laughs> I would never dream of it. Ruff, <laughs> <laughs> Well. Gen- bark, bark, generic rock music, bark. And, uh, Jim Johnson, you've done it again. So, until next time, where we'll have Frasier and maybe WrestleMania to talk about, please enjoy the music of the latest Hall of Fame inductee. The The late, great British Bulldog. Because he's bizarre. Bizarre.